Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woohoo! We're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss LGBTQ plus history. Woo-hoo-hoo. I need some more excitement than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you whip your bangs back and forth? I whip my bangs back and forth. I whip my bangs back and forth. That's our new theme song. There you go. I love it. We have to pay for that. Oh, geez. We are Thomas. Kendall. Chris. Hey, Chris. Chris is back for a special segment of Whip Her, Snap Her, mm-hmm. which, by the way, on the socials, that got a lot of thumbs Did up. It? Yeah. I so, love that. So kudos you for, the, for, that, so. for the fun name. Oh, was that me? That was. Oh, oh that was you. Was that me? He set us up for that acknowledgement. <laughs> we spent what, like an hour sitting at the table just we drinking. Did. We're like, what do we call this? Yeah, we, we did it. Whip her, snap her. There we go. All right, so that's gonna be fun. So we're we're gonna talk about uh, in the whip her, snap her segment. We're gonna talk about JoJo Siwa, and we're also gonna talk about some. Of course, this is uh, LGBT history, right? So with JoJo Siwa, this new history, mm-hmm. and we got some old school history with Barbara Jordan. Why don't yes. you tell the people what the whippersnapper segment is? Oh, the whippersnapper segment mm-hmm. uh, is where we bring on the resident whippersnapper in the <laughs> Listen Works Network, Chris, because he's the youngest one of us podcasters. His balls have not dropped yet. It's not saying my uh, head. <laughs> I talk oh, you it? said one of them dropped, but not both, right? Only one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he talks to us about the uh, what the youths, the youths, the youths. Uh, are uh are their their perspective on lgbtq history because as we've said before not to knock mother rue uh, not she's not my mom but you know of the of the universe uh, <laughs> mother of everything <laughs> uh you know she's got some dated references uh which i can appreciate i i, I appreciate a good judy garland and joan crawford reference um uh, but the young gays you need like, it to be younger the young gays they have a different sense like again mean girls is their reference yeah. Well, and that's history. We I mean, keep getting, that movie's almost twenty years old, so it's it's not like it's history now. It's not like it's I grew old. up with that. Well, yeah. the millennials. That would be you and I. Yeah. Not I mean, <laughs> not your Gen X. Um, we keep hearing the Gen uh, millennial people saying, "Gen Z said I can't have a side part anymore," or a "I side can't. pony." <laughs> What is it? Skinny jeans are out. I have a, sc- a closet yeah. full of skinny jeans. Skinny so jeans sorry, boo, but you're gonna you're gonna be offended by mine. What about the part in your hair? It looks like airbrushed pants on my legs, <laughs> dimples and all. Those aren't wrinkles. Those are dimples. Those are dimples. Yeah. You also can't use a laughing emoji. Well, they are wrinkles, but they're not wrinkles in the fabric. Uh-huh. <laughs> wrinkles in your ass. Yeah, it's the pants are so skinny that um, you can see varicose veins. <laughs> Take oh, that, Gen good. Z. That's good. See my Veracruz So your bot, they're body shaming. They're body shaming. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, I, I thought they were. Care. I thought you were better than that, Z's. I don't think they care. That's why they wear. They don't care about bodies. They don't. They, that's where they wear those baggy clothes. Which you know, as a as a kid of the '90s, I'm all for that. Well, they keep saying that uh, we have left the world in a state that um, they will all drown to death, so they can do whatever they want. So I kind of get it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Actually, the sentiment. I mean, they're not lying. I mean, I mean if I were you, them, I wouldn't even pay rent. Gen Z, just stop paying rent. <laughs> just go do whatever. <laughs> your husband's a property manager. You want them to pay. You, if you want your light bills on, you want them to pay the rent. Like he would rent to a Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't pass the credit check. They don't even what know what credit, credit is. It's like mom and dad's credit card. Okay. We had we had to learn the the country line dance instead of you know finding out what credit is and how to write checks and balance a checkbook right. or cook food. 
Yep. So, but I know how to lie. <laughs> All important things, though, uh, cooking food and this, uh, you know, we record live here in Houston in the Benwin Studios, and uh, uh, it was quite an event. We were supposed to record this episode last Saturday just to kind of be ahead and get, you know, get ahead of the, the curve and be on. Well, you know, they say if you can get ahead, get ahead. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't Shit. get ahead. My mom and used to say that. Your mom used to say that? I don't think she knew what it meant. Was that your... <laughs> Get I think ahead. she was trying to be supportive as a gay mom. I thought she had talking, heard it somewhere. I thought you were talking about Mother Rue again. Uh, not that mother. Your real mom. Mm, yeah. She said it was in the Bible. And, <laughs> it you know, said in the Bible, get ahead and get ahead. And if it's in the Bible, my it's mom, true. My mom is so shy and do not talk about uh, awkward things that when I was like 10, I watched Gone with the Wind. The story's really starting off gay and I love it. <laughs> watched Gone with the Wind and I said... Mom, they kept calling her a prostitute. Because, you know, the Red Butler knew a prostitute. And I said, is that like a, for some reason, I thought it was a cashier. Mm. <laughs> I said, is that like a cashier? They're accepting the said, money. <laughs> and I, she, I remember thinking, oh, it's going to be a big deal. Because she gathered everything up in her being and said, that is a woman who is paid to have sex. <laughs> and I think it was the first time she'd ever said sex. And it was just... One of the most thrilling moments of my life to be a part of that. <laughs> my mom said the S word. <laughs> Did she turn bright red? She was very embarrassed. I can't believe it. Now you. Just... So I asked the next day. I asked her like I never asked her before. Mom, do you still have that lisp? Mom, I was born with the lisp, but that's because it was because you're gay. Well, it was a tight exit. Oh. <laughs> I had to kind of shimmy out. Did you come out? It all worked butt? out in the end. I mean, my friend, I have, there's a little dent in my head, but when oh the skull isn't fused at this That's just because your sister kept pressing the soft spot. She was like, does this go back if I press? That's why they call me the soft spot. <laughs> yeah, they call me the soft spot. That's my name. Look, we're already copyright lawsuited out enough. <laughs> just keep singing more That's songs. <laughs> if you change claiming the, it as our own. If you change the, the words, I think it, it's okay. Yeah. Weird Al does yeah, it all the a, time. You see, this is the thing. Like Weird Al, you know Weird Al. You've yeah, heard yeah. of them somehow, but a Gen Z doesn't know what a Weird Al. Oh, absolutely Al is. not. We are not catering this podcast to Gen Z. They're all dying out, is what I heard. But they're what? They're like dinosaurs. They're kind of dying out, is what Gen- they think. Who Gen Z? Oh, us. Gen Zers. Gen Zers think because we're dying. of the state of the earth that we left it in. Oh yeah, again, we we have left in in shambles. Look what happened to us here in Houston. Mm-hmm. But it's all that renewable energy, yeah. Thomas. We uh, we have <laughs> the we, energy capital of the world. We, we had sur- no lights or water for four days. Right. Mm-hmm. We are survivors. I add a day every time I tell the story. <laughs> Five days, six days now. Survivors of the. We still uh, don't have water. <laughs> what do you want to call it? We didn't even get that much snow, snow. so it's hard to call snow apocalypse. You can call it ice apocalypse. Mildly annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Mildly annoyed. Uh, so how are we doing? Sanity check. Everyone's here. We're recording. I'm alive. Well lubricated. I didn't cry today. No, so that's, that's good. That's good. If you're Is wondering, that freezing related, the crying spells. Uh, no, it, I just cried normally, but it just was exacerbated. <laughs> well, my dog is still alive. My that's dog, good. I mean my penis. No, I'm just kidding. No, I really do mean dog. Like a, a you mean that old thing? <laughs> that old man. Um. No, I have a little 11-year-old diabetic dog, and it was so cold that she was pressed up against me, um, which normally she has nothing to do with me anymore. And she... Uh, You're like, I want it to be cold every day. <laughs> she was so still that I thought she was dead a few times, so I slapped her for no reason. <laughs> Just smack her butt. She like, didn't have any of that, though. 
She just had needed a little action, you know? Just yeah. <laughs> get her going. So she's she alive. That's good. It was pretty cold. Uh, I mean, it was cold for Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in colder, Kendall. I mean, you have, you've traveled the world. I mean, Are you have, talking about our relationship? <laughs> yes, that 10 years of frigid tundra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Very alone. We survived it. Lonely, cold. No power. There was no energy. No light in sight. <laughs> no lights. Definitely no plumbing. Um, Are we still talking about your relationship? <laughs> where, where did we go here? <laughs> busted pipes. Busted pipes everywhere. Just cold, frigid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so, so we've survived. But I mean, we're all... Kendall, you're the only one of the three of us that has the the two greatest gifts in the world right now power and water youth and beauty oh Uh, yes not that not that (laughs) definitely not that (laughs) power and water we have power we have uh we have a power bottom you know oh hello hey what that's not me It hurts too much. All right. Well, I feel like we need to be moving along oh. at a more brisk <laughs> well, pace. Yeah. So, but um, you know, the storm. Just wanted to get your your take on it. You survived. Yeah. I mean, it was thirty something degrees in the house. Mm-hmm. That's when we came over here, and then once we came here, within an hour, the lights were out. <laughs> you just brought the bad. Thanks light. for bringing that. <laughs> well, we did cut the lines though, because we were like, <laughs> "You have. Why power. do they have what we don't have?" <laughs> but um. Yeah, when we left, I had to squeeze toothpaste out because it was frozen, and then it crunched in my mouth. Yep. So ever since, and it it felt like bugs I was eating, so I refused to brush my teeth anymore. Well, that explains yeah. the odor we have in the house. But in all honesty, I barely did it before the storm. Yeah. You have that that one tooth that you have? <laughs> yeah. Still hanging on to that That's gum? That's my, <laughs> That's my all seasons tooth. <laughs> It hasn't let me down yet. It's a wooden tooth. Yeah. You thought that guy on, uh, what was that, uh, um, the Tiger King was bad. Oh, uh, gosh. Just take a look at Kendall's mug. No, I'm kidding. Well, people ask me how I stay so young looking. And mm. I say mm-hmm. least amount of teeth as possible because you will have that baby. <laughs> that baby the baby gum yeah. feel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also helps when you're single, but not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> hey, Haley, you could just slide it right in between my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Just put some of that toothpaste in there and it glides right in. Well, that'll really I'm trying clean. to get Ben, my husband, to be in on it so I can say, hey, we're two for one. <laughs> tooth. He's got one tooth. you got two teeth. <laughs> yeah. A tooth for one um, special. What about you, Chris? You, he's a little classier than I am. <laughs> you've, uh, you've survived. You've got goals. You guys are going to have to forgive us on this podcast because we are all, we've been cooped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is our first time to have interactions in over a week. Emotionally, so. yeah, we're, we're not crying. Mm-hmm. We're having bre- I'm not crying. Breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so, Chris, how was your experience? Uh, it was um worse worse than i had oh my god had a had planned on well obviously we you're was planning very unplan- i was planning for all of it to be awful no it was um just because like i'm a doomsday prepper i'm not a doomsday prepper but like i am one of those people that like um i mean for example hurricane season came through and i was like i need to feel like this past season we had three almost hits of hurricanes that were coming our direction and i did everything beforehand because anytime the hurricanes come in our way especially since hurricane harvey um, I filled the bathtubs. I get everything ready. But I don't know how to prepare for a winter storm. So I was like, drip my faucets and turn on the heat. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to make some chili and call it a day. Well, then when power well, and water... drip wa- my faucets and turn on the heat, son. <laughs> Slap my ass and call it a day. Is that what you tell the guys at the bars? When oh, yeah. <laughs> drip my faucet, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Diddly-doo. As long as it's not leaky, because then, you know... Well... <laughs> 
that might be a, an issue. Right. We need to go see the go to the clinic again. The doctor will say, hey, you're back again? I'm just kidding. Have you had, ever had a back again? Um, well, I won't ask directly. <laughs> Maybe you save that for the After Hours podcast. Yeah, <laughs> After Hours podcast. Because he probably has. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Which I, one? I, I got plenty. Girl, I got a Rolodex. Well, a Rolodex. The most recent time Speaking I got chlamydia girl. was when I was in a recently new, now husband. But um, You're putting his business out there. Okay. <laughs> early on in the relationship, and we kept swapping it out. <laughs> and then they had to put me on, because they thought I was just immune to the antibiotics, so they put me on the strongest antibiotics. And I fainted at Portugal Restaurant in New Orleans because I was on such high <laughs> antibiotics. Did you have a leaky I've faucet? Seen, I've seen that mm-hmm. uh, that video. Two That's girl, how you know you got chlamydia. Yeah. Two girls, one virus. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen it. Uh, you just spit it into <laughs> each other's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Two girls, one virus. You're canceled. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> so dumb. So you have no water. No water. Yeah, back to that. But you have power. Uh, yeah, right now one of our pipes burst, so we ended up turning out the water at the um, the city level, and mm-hmm. we're just waiting for that to get fixed. So yeah. we've got power now. So I mean, good. I mean, if folks are wondering, like, it's uh, some folks are lucky um, mm-hmm. because they white privileged Kindle uh, has power <laughs> and water. No, uh, that's not luck, baby. That's a gift. <laughs> And uh, and others are not so privileged, uh, but uh, no, I mean, if people are wondering, like, oh, what's the deal? It's like a week. I mean, I got told uh, I may be lucky to have it on Monday, but mm-hmm. initially it was the earliest I got told. If anyone responded to me, which few did, um, the you could get it by Friday, like a week, uh, almost ten days after, yeah. uh, you know, the the pipes busted. So it was a serious deal. Um, well, my landlord said we may not have someone come out until the beginning of March, so right. I still might have ten days without water still inside my house. Yeah, which so, is, not, I mean, it's not, it's, it's a big nuts. deal, right? You can't mm-hmm. flush your toilet, you can't mm-hmm. uh, take a shower, and uh, yeah, I mean, I went forty eight hours. Luckily, we have family in the area, but uh, um, yeah, it's just and. I mean, it's almost like you forget that COVID's existing because you're yeah. like, hey, we got a we, we got a sh- necessity, right? Yeah. Um, so this is. I'd much rather it be cold. I, I don't know. I say this now, but when it's hot and it's like hurricane season and your power's knocked out for three days or whatever, and your balls are sticking to your leg and other people's legs and all that kind of stuff, um, that seems more miserable than just cold. But see, mean? we I've gone through three hurricanes now here and here, or three tropical something. You're the one that keeps bringing them. <laughs> but the gay. nothing has um, nothing's knocked out the power for me yet, power or water. Mm. So the fact that I've gone through three hurricanes here in Houston in my time of being here, and or even the massive floods that we keep getting randomly during the spring, not, nothing has knocked out power or water yet. And so the fact that this winter storm that I thought was just uh, it's going to be cold for one day because. The weather channel only told us it was going to be cold for one day, yeah. and then after that it was going to be fine. Not three winter storms come through here. I was not prepared for that, so right. I didn't know I had to fill up my bathtub for a winter storm. Yeah, I, I'm not a doomsday prepper because I'm like, oh, this will all pass. Hurricane, same thing, which is the problem with like Harvey, right? Mm. Harvey stuck around. Uh, you mm. couldn't drive anywhere. The same thing mm-hmm. with the storm here. It's like, uh, yes, normally in Texas, it's a 24-hour thing, mm-hmm. and it's 60 degrees. By the way, today, Saturday, got to 60 degrees, it's right? It's going to be 71 tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so normally, you're like, this won't last long, and, and it did, and my, my mom was stranded here uh, in, in Houston from mm-hmm. San Antonio for a couple of days because the roads were so bad. Which So that was the frustrating thing, because even a hurricane, uh, my assumption is it's here for 24 hours, and then you can get back on. That's, to me, been the relief. It's like, oh, you can... 
get back on the road, mm-hmm. find some, you know, of a safe place. Floodwaters it, are gone, right. they go away. But in Harvey, the floodwaters didn't go away. Mm-hmm. And then the storm, the, the cold weather stuck around. So you couldn't drive for three or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's uh, it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. And so what go, you're saying is you were really wanting your mom to leave. No, <laughs> I didn't. I wanted her to be safe. This is the most Why I was spent. that your takeaway? <laughs> no, this was the, the, the most I spent with my mom in a long time, which was actually really cool. But... Uh, um, I, I wish it was under different circumstances, but uh, but yeah, we uh, we had a good time. Uh, lots of lots of booze. I was planning to give up booze for Lent, and um, that <laughs> given the weak circumstances, I decided that uh, the good Lord wanted me to have some more juice. So um, he's on your side. He's mm-hmm. on my side, and so uh, so yeah, but survived. I mean, we're all healthy, we're all mm-hmm. alive, so that's good. We are powers back on. Uh, but yeah, uh, and if folks are wondering, by the way, what you know, uh, Senator Ted Cruz could have done here uh, in while well, staying in Houston instead of going to Mexico, he could have done what Beto O'Rourke did. Uh, by calling his constituents and calling saying, senior citizens yeah, to see if they're alive. Are you okay? Do you need assistance? How can we help? Or like AOC, uh, the the Green New Deal monster, mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the House rep from New York. Um, Not even in our state. Right. Who is often attacked by her uh, colleagues in the House and Senate uh, for being super liberal, raised a couple million dollars, and then came three to... Three million, over three million. And then came to Houston. I guess she was in Houston, yeah, cause, mm-hmm. uh, and was delivering goods to people. You know, they were uh, uh, loading uh, food boxes at the food shelter. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering what... She also went and visited people's houses, too, right. to like, see the damage and assess, assess things. What a senator could have done. Mm-hmm. These are things you could have done. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these guys have a donor list of uh, probably a million plus. You could send a note to your, an email, if nothing else to your donors to be like hey um your your uh your fellow citizens are in need donate some money chip in the five bucks because they they have no problem emailing you once a day twice a day sometimes to chip in just five dollars for mm-hmm. you know to Whatever. fight a uh, scary nancy pelosi so mm-hmm. that's what they could have done well from what i understand ted cruz did raise money thomas but he took all that money and put it into a super pack so he's it's ready for his re-election campaign garbage <laughs> Um, I wish Beto would have beat him, but mm-hmm. hey, 2024. Let's go. Well, Beto obviously is running for governor in 2022. Okay. I bet. Yeah, he is. You Beto? Like, ooh. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and nothing, uh, unfortunately, I didn't have uh, CBD oil to treat me, but our dog did. And a recent Gallup poll shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade. And while we're growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered uh, the effects that our stress can have on our pets. According to a 2019 study, there's a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you're a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. We're always working to reduce our stress in any way we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our dogs? Baked Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs, and Baked Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic, human-grade ingredients, and full spectrum hemp oil their baked bones offers some relief to your anxious pup you can check out bakedbones.com for more information on cbd for dogs and the other benefits it may provide baked bones offers free shipping on all orders over 25 dollars, and you can save 15 percent using the promo code gaystuff15 baked bones is lgbtq owned and operated and is based in houston texas 
Baked Buns is now available in Man Ready Mercantile, based in Houston and Austin, and Baked Buns proudly donates 10% of all their profits to no-kill shelters in the U.S. Baked Bones, Baked Dogs Happy! Well. Love those Baked Bones guys. They um, were keeping in touch with us and you know making sure we were safe as we were doing the same thing to them, so uh, super sweet guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, Chris from Baked Bones lives in my area, so he was checking in quite a bit with me yeah. to see how things were going, oh, so wow. it was... It was good. Yeah, continue to promote your. He small probably business. just assumed that I was doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a TBA, so you know mm. he's. Tiny you know, resourceful. You know, when he's got the CBD, and yeah. speaking of BD. Oh yeah. Okay, the slang bang this week. Slang bang. Slang bang. <laughs> Is BD for bed death? Ooh. Oh, I thought it meant something else. Bed death. Bed death. Mm-hmm. What what is that? Is I, it, I'm, I'm is curious. That, is that when you die when having whilst you were having sexual relations? No. I'm thinking something like there's no sexual attraction to the person in bed anymore. Okay, so bed death is the stereotypical idea that relationships between two women will eventually lead to a sexless relationship. Oh. Which I have heard in height, and I, so I found this today. And I was like, oh, I have heard lesbian friends joke about how it's all just going to turn into, like, slapping their fingers away. Is that in all, all relationships, though, at some point? I mean... Why do you look at me? <laughs> I mean... Uh, Are you feeling personally attacked? <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, not not. You that. had a really good three to four minutes total <laughs> in that ten years. Uh, <laughs> no, the, uh, the... Just, like... I mean, you hear that with... It's not just... Lesbian, just no. I mean, straight people too, and well, mm-hmm. the lesbian and gay, slang is pet death, and gay men just go to open relationships. So, I mean, <laughs> but well, I don't think way to call out the community like that. Thomas. Wait, no, but there's nothing wrong with that though. If there's it's not. two people Consenting agreeing adults, to yeah. that, because there's a lot of uh, hate from within the gay community of all you people want to do is this is gays talking to the gays. Mm-hmm. You just want your open relationships. And I'm like, but if it's two people, and then it doesn't have to be what our parents told us because they weren't even living that life. Mm-hmm. The divorce rate's fifty something percent, and over fifty. They either cheated or they didn't and got called, or they haven't mm-hmm. gotten called yet. Yeah. So you're saying folks are going to this uh, gay so campground? It seems a little healthier to be like, okay, why don't we just say d- define our own parameters of sex for us yeah it was a joke i mean open oh i was just using it as a conversation point i mean i i i think that uh yeah open relationship that's what you're gonna do cool that's that's your thing that's between two consenting adults so but spencer's listening the, the problem that i have with that is that there are people who um uh we're like and like, the reason why I'm saying this is because I believe that I'm this kind of person. And, like, I definitely believe that I'm a monogamous person. And that's just who I am. But at the same time, if I have a partner that I'm in love with that wants to be polyamorous or be open, um, I'm probably – I'm afraid that I'd be in that position where it's like, oh, I will say yes because I know it will make you happy as mm. opposed to making me happy. And that would lead to a lot of jealousy from my own standpoint. And so then it like consenting adults means that they both have to be. Yeah. 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 It. Yeah. And if there's not, then something else needs to be adjusted here because that's not a thing. And I think that's why things get a bad rap because like there are always those issues where someone feelings get muddled in, in certain positions in certain ways. So <laughs> All the, all the positions. But if you're gonna, yeah. But if you're gonna say, um, 
Well, communicate with your partner because who was the Dr. Ruth? The old 90-something-year-old Jewish sex therapist that we had grown up as millennials. <laughs> uh, I think that was before my time. But there, it's <laughs> always we like, well, internet. just communicate with your partner. <laughs> communicate, communicate. But if there's going to be communication, it needs to be both people yeah. bringing the communication. And being honest and open about feelings. Yeah, yeah if, you're not ta- if you're not both committed, then you're not communicating. If you have yeah. someone like... Chris, if someone had said that and you just said yes, then you're not communicating That's your true. feelings to this person saying, I don't feel comfortable with that, right? Um, because, yeah, if you're not both on the same page with that, then that's going to be uh, – it's going to create tension down the road. Right? Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. But you can. You probably – if you're uh, – you can live your openly uh, gay fantasies at this gay camp program. Did you guys hear about this campground that's in um, – in Michigan, they actually have a couple of them in this area. Uh, we do in the, we have, in the Midwest. Yeah. Oh. Well, we have oh. some here in Texas. Do we? There's some. Yeah. I'm Bryan, Texas. Really? There's actually. I. Swear I just thought those were cruising spots. Basically, no, it's campgrounds. The, I swear hmm. that there is a billboard on the way out on 59 up towards uh, Spencer's family's lake house. Yeah. Way out there. Um. That I'm like. I think that that's a gay campground, and I think I've seen. I think oh. they have like a little rainbow flag on the billboard. What? But I, you, someone could tell me that I'm wrong. Oh it's somewhere along 59, gosh. like where it's two lanes still. So I'm gonna have to go talk to Spencer about that. <laughs> We're gonna have to have that topic, yeah. that discussion. You both have to be open. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but there, there's a campground in Michigan uh, that's created quite a stir because it's for gay men, and they announced that they were going to ban trans men uh, from their open campground community. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's been some significant backlash, uh, because the, uh, owners of the campground basically said, this is for guys only. And a guy in terms of this discussion is defined as a person with a penis who presents himself as male and has a state issued ID that says male, uh, which you can be a state identified male and right? have a penis and have a penis or not have a penis. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a little bit. Obviously, there was uh, a lot of fan, a lot of people that were interested in joining this club that said, "Hey, what the heck is going on here? Um, we don't we don't like this. Like, we we're open. We're just, I mean, why are we going to start discriminating against people within our own community? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been discriminated against because of you know being mm-hmm. gay, and now we're going to return the favor to our trans brothers and sisters. Yeah, like this is not uh, not okay. Acceptable. I have a question. Yeah, and I don't like that firm no trans men thing. But should there be places for, let's say, a gay man who are going for the sole reason? Because let's be honest, it's a place to have sex with other men, right? And, and that's what I, reading the article, I was just like, it's basically just men wanting to get together and fondle each other while naked. So should there be places where... Uh, it's a little bit more than fondle, honey. I know. I Men can find men of a certain... <laughs> well, this is an adult-rated type. podcast. You can say that, even though my mom listens. We're explicit. Yeah. We're marked hey, explicit. Mom. So you were saying, what was I, Kendall? Sorry. Should there be places, is it wrong to have any place at all on earth that says we are men who want to, that are attracted to men with huge natural, I don't know what to say natural. Well, I mean, just the penis thing, but I don't think men are just attracted to men. They're attracted to a masculine person, right? And mm-hmm. so. Yeah, but um, I mean, who are you to tell men? what they're attracted to well my, that's also the point like why can't you uh, 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 but should male, they be forced here's the thing a, a male presenting a guy with a, 
uh, a hairy chest and no boobs and hairy arms and and uh, short hair and a, a beard and mustache. Well, we've what, what, all met what, size what queens that are like, show me that dude. No, and has a has a vagina, right? So mm-hmm. an, an attractive male but has a vagina. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a trans man, right? So right, but that's not what I'm talking about. Though. But I'm saying you could also be attracted to that and want to have sex with with someone. Right. Who what like I'm that. saying is, should there be are there environments allowed for men who only want to have sex with big penis men you know what i mean that knows that it's because you who was it who was talking about the penis check at the door that that was this article in the that article was the, they said that was when it was you a, had a penis check when you walked in let me see your penis and i don't think it was like it was to make sure there online, were no trans people yeah they joked about it like a yeah. person i think it was online. just they went for that weekend of just so anyway i don't like that they're doing that but i also think that Who's to say if people want to get together and have a certain type of person there? For instance, I don't like the no Asian, no black, no blah, blah. Basically, no fats, no fems, no Asian. You know, all the XX out. I don't like it, but also I'm not going to tell we, somebody. We know you don't like You have no problem with that because they're all part of your. Right. <laughs> your notches on your bedpost. Right. I have dated and, yeah, all, everything. Um everyone literally if you're listening we've dated you just don't remember, you don't remember. it'll come out in it therapy was that, it was that roofie in the right. <laughs> okay but we should have an honest discussion about what um it's very easy to say how dare them and i don't agree with it but we but the people do have preferences okay but- and if you're let's say you're 15 you've had 30 years of figuring out what you like are we to say at 50 that no, you can't do this because you just haven't met the trans man who hasn't had bottom surgery yet. And they may never have bottom surgery, though. I mean, a trans. But what I'm person, saying is, what if that's just not there? But what they're going out on the weekend to look for. But you don't have to go and touch that person. You can go that, hang out yeah. with, a, find the big D that you're looking for. That's right. what I was going to say because this whole camp is geared towards being an inclusivity kind of standpoint. An inclusivity like, you know, welcome to this, you know, gay men, you know, are welcome here. We support your open we, relationships. You can, you or you if can, you want to cheat on your spouse, you can do it at this, hide behind a tree, hide behind a bush. be around gay men and be naked. You don't even have to go there for a sexual reason. Oh, and so, you millennials. I know. I, I'm <laughs> not. Gonna, we can be get, get married and be relationships now. Like, back in my day, <laughs> it was no relationships. You did it under the yeah. under, under undercover in the corners where you could underneath the cars or truck no. oh <laughs> are co- you calling me out like in, <laughs> in the corner in the adult bookstores you did it in the church parking lots where you could in back back seat and front seat of cars that's where you did it yeah uh so it wasn't about like we can be married one day but i, I get your perspective yeah, yeah. And, and like that's what i'm saying and i'm not saying that it, it um has to be hidden or anything like that and what I'm saying, I'm I'm not being innocent by saying by trying to say that their sex is not happening here. I know for sure that this they're all fucking each other. But why have you been? No, but the whole the 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 idea from the outside looking in is supposed to be like a place of inclusion that you go to. Did they say that, or do, is that what we're assuming because they're gay men? No, that's what it says on on oh. the in the article. Oh, that, that's like what their mission statement is, or at least uh, another. I think it, there's another. Uh, gay campground in Michigan that says that. Uh, but then at that other campground, they have to present an ID that uh, a government ID that shows that they're 
a male mm. essentially um so it's like okay how inclusive is it but uh, but gays it, can be just as discriminatory and anti-trans and racist well, as anybody what this else article yes saying, that's, yeah. a, that's what the article's saying it, the article is basically saying that the because if you're going there for sex and you don't want to have sex with someone who does not have just don't have sex with them don't have a penis don't have sex with them that's my thing it's yeah. like what's an issue what's the issue of having men trans men there like there's not an issue and men with penis men without penises and there there's all always the the sexual preferences there that like hey if you're there to actually have sex and you want to try something like that and that person is receptive and it's two consenting adults too go for it yeah but nothing's stopping you so, and you can go there and be naked in nature and not have penis and have a penis and just still be a man it does not matter uh that's my thing because i think and I'm getting really into this here, that this article really brought out like a whole idea of like um, TERFs as well, like trans-exclusionary females, mm-hmm. where there's like the ball-busting, bra-burning lesbians that say, oh, this is for cisgendered women. Uh, you know, the trans women have their own fight and they can go do mm-hmm. their own thing. Uh, so it's basically because there are the TERFs that say like, you know, here we are, um, you know, we've done our own thing. We have females have their own plight. Like you go figure out your own deal on your own when that should not be the thing that we're doing here. We need to be fighting as a unit together instead of looking at this infighting and saying, oh, we need to have our own safe space. Like there needs to be a safe space for all of us. You guys are part of our uh, LGBT community so they are part of us and the whole movement or idea of drop the t is just like but i don't think a lot of gay people consider themselves as in the lgbt community i think they consider themselves gay and they bring all their life experiences and prejudices and all that kind of stuff with them as gay men right i agree with that with uh to a certain degree especially with like the my um being on twitter and like seeing the people that i follow on instagram it's definitely obvious that these people who come from a place of privilege where they didn't get bullied, they were masculine, they were uh, muscular their entire lives, they played football, they came out, uh, you know, at the age of 23 and then found a man immediately and they're in a beautiful, loving relationship. It's like, okay, you were never bullied. Or if you were bullied, it was a very, like, minimal amount. Um, you didn't have to worry about pretending to be straight or whatever. And so then they're the ones that are like, oh, I'm just gay. I'm not part of the LGBT scene or the gay scene. But they have no problem going to New York City to celebrate 50 years of Stonewall. Going know, to Folsom like, to get fucked in the street yeah. and, you know, but, but, all that shit. But my point on the the uh, uh, the Stonewall is Stonewall, you know, are, this whole modern-day uh, LGBTQ movement was started by... Drag queens by black trans, trans drag queens. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, come on, and, mm-hmm. but they have no problem. There are no 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 trans people in mm-hmm. our in our campground. Uh, but also, I want to celebrate uh, the the movement, right? So it's, yeah. it's uh, very hypocritical. I, you know, to your point, Kendall, is it a private entity? Uh, and that's what they're saying. It's a private entity. We should be able to do what we want. And uh, to some extent, I agree that private entities. Uh, well, my thing is, I, I disagree with that concept, but. To those, not but, and to those people that would be drawn to places that were trans exclusionary, then why am I wasting my breath preaching to you that what you're doing is, quote, wrong? Yeah. You know, like that's the type of person you are. But then that goes directly towards the, the whole cake argument that made it all the way to the Supreme Court, where it's like the, the cake shop being able to deny the ability to not serve homosexuals for their, you know, making wedding cake 
is it not the same principle in in my mind? That's, I mean, but I, I'm associating I, I, actually, the private entity as, as someone as as much as I hate the I know concept of it. This, yeah. Actually, I mean, from a there's no law to present. Like, I don't care. I mean, if you don't want to, say, to me, it's a bad business practice. This yeah, I'm not is really a bad business practice. Worried. I think the government should not, in any way, shape, or form, be able to discriminate against uh, LGBT, but. If I'm going to go into a place and say you have to make a cake for me, I don't think that's necessarily right either. Now, if you're going to get funding from the government, then I think the government has a say in terms of how you can run your, you know, what mm-hmm. you can do with the federal dollars that, you know, our taxpayer dollars that yeah. go to these companies to support them or that we, the government buys from them. But a cake shop or a campground, they have the right, I think, to do that as business owners. I, again, I think it's a bad business practice because mm-hmm. um, you don't know what your clientele like. I mean, yeah. a, a mass presenting, I mean, it, it trans i i don't it, it's maybe ignorant to say like the what to me was uh um the example of a trans person back in the 80s and 90s was a very exaggerated version it usually wasn't actual trans people mm-hmm. it was often men dressed up as you know women and they were made to look ugly uh and so but and you they have you know shoddy makeup when they're dressing right they're they're trying to create this idea of a cross dresser instead right. of a trans person right and trans people are very beautiful people mm-hmm. uh attract i mean we've talked so about people will walk down the street and you won't know if they're freaking trans right it doesn't matter <laughs> right and so and and even if they don't you know they're not laverne cox i mm-hmm. mean whether you look like that or not i mean there are people that are attractive and people are attracted different types and so uh, a mask presenting person like i said with a hairy chest and a beard and uh you know a, a buzz cut you mm-hmm. know could look like a, any you know sports you know model bodybuilder and mm-hmm. just happen to not have a penis right yeah. um and you know there may be someone like um, my i will say this my perception my perception has changed <laughs> in terms of because as i've seen uh, certain things i've like oh well i didn't know that's how like I had no idea what a trans man looked like. I just mm-hmm. again, I it was a it was a outdated stereotype of um, '80s versions of trans people. It was fed to you as a yeah. child, and now you're like, oh, these. I mean, again, and I hate saying this, like, oh, you'd see Laverne Cox, like these are what. Not every trans person looks like Laverne Cox can afford all of you know what she's doing, but my point is there is a spectrum of how people look, mm-hmm. and just um, like in straight heterosexual, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, cisgendered mm-hmm. and i guess that busted most and i guess that's the point right i mean it's, it's not a knock on any trench there are people that uh yeah they range on the attractiveness spectrum and so whether you have a penis or not i think you should be able to go to this but that i think the business has a right to make its call i just think it's like i said it's a bad business practice and they're getting shamed and you know that's part of the thing or it could be a, a great business practice you know what i mean like Morality plays no part in business practices. That's the, because that's, yeah. if you look at um, a that's, lot of right wing people that are like the more racist and homophobic and idiotic they get and pro Trump or whatever, a lot of times the more business they get. Well, so look it's at a the great way Goya, business decision. Whenever yeah. they were like, you know, boycott, boycott Goya, and then all of a sudden Goya was like, well, we're doing really well now. Thanks. We talked so. about that uh, that country star who used the N word, and then like, didn't he sell like a million right. copies the following week? Trending, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so well. it's it could be um, a good business decision, and but a wrong in our mind moral decision. But we can't be moral cops. Yeah. Really, all we can uh, do is just heckle from the sideline. What What's I, that going to do? Nothing. What I can say about the morality issue is that in the article, they were trying to defend a argument about having a safe space. It's like, you are a cisgendered man. 
you are literally one of and i understand that you are a gay man but you already have a lot of privilege above other things and so having a safe space like that well this is the um what a lot of gays consider the blanket amnesty of being gay therefore i i can i'm not held to the other standards of racism and sexism and all i'm that a minority stuff. so i feel the plight is basically what people think. right like you can't tell me i'm this and this and this because I've been discriminated as a gay man. Well, yeah. no, actually, yes, you can. And it's not just a white thing. I mean, people can be awful people regardless. Yeah. People can be closed-minded. They can take time. They can take decades to realize that their views are not as they thought they were in the past. And I think um, anytime, because I've struggled with, like, how can you be gay and then also be racist or sex, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But really, you just, a lot of that is selfishness. Yeah. Is that especially with white gay racists. I mean, white gay racists. They see themselves as white first yeah. and then, yeah. That's, uh, yes, very, very frustrating. Well, you know, in that article, by the way, this article was in LGBTQ Nations where we saw it uh, talking about this campground uh, in Michigan uh, that I won't name. You can... I mean, why give them free press, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, oh, it yeah. sounds terrible. Where exactly do I go to sign up? <laughs> they don't need advertisement. Not because of that. I just mean because there's a penis check at the door. And it, I'm sorry. I mean, like, can I be the penis checker? No one ever asked you. Uh, How do we get hired to be the penis checker? I just want to like. I do. I do. I do like one of the one of the things they were the pecker checker. Oh, I like that. New segment: pecker checker. And no, no one know if we're checking them on the podcast or not. Is the person standing here? We're seeing a penis. Like, what are, are they, they actually here? <laughs> Joe Biden, come on down. We're gonna check it. He's what here. do we think that Joe he doesn't Biden's know where balls he is. look like? Yeah. Oh, he, Kendall's okay. imagined them. Multiple oh, have times. you already? He could no, he, he could draw them with them, his eyes closed. Um, Since we're talking about, it. are we talking about them? <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, he's just staring off into space. <laughs> just, All right, shall we move it on? Yeah, into La La Land. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's 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 go into our whip her snap her segment. Whip her snap her. Woo. All right, Chris, tell kick us, her in the face. Tell us what the youth. Wait, I got carried away. I'm sorry, I got carried away with the what uh, we were gonna do to him as per usual. <laughs> oh my god, Karen, man. Um, well, this week I'm actually gonna be talking about something Gen Z, which is preceding me so this is gonna be a difficult topic for me because i don't completely understand it but we're into it okay well we're hurry up because about... glimmer warming is uh happening very quickly <laughs> killing all we're the losing a z every minute uh, uh, we're gonna talk about someone who was born after 9 11 so oh wow <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about jojo siwa um oh that's what we kicked off on uh, you... we were talking about your initial segment i kept using her as an example and i yeah. had no idea who she, who she was other than um lemon you know, from drag race yeah and so yeah apparently though she was i mean right after that it was like you couldn't not see her she was everywhere on and you're gonna tell us why. i'm gonna tell you why exactly um so jojo she was she was born in 2003 may 19th of 2003 in omaha nebraska so she has kind of like a back uh, um a middle america upbringing um her name is joel joni which that was really funny so i had to include that um and she's best known for being a singer a dancer and most importantly a youtuber personality um she was listed as time magazine's top 100 most influential people in the world what? in 2020 here's the problem right so um oh we have a problem already the, <laughs> the average age of a plumber is 47 years old in uh, the u.s weird that you know that plumber fetish the average age of a plumber so 47 so um i don't know about you kendall but as a 42 year old man 
um, going up uh, up the stairs, uh, trying to crawl under a. Uh, even call me a, out on this. I'm in my thirties. <laughs> You're a millennial. I'm trying to a different generation. Go under a house, crawl under a house. Never Not fun. That. I wouldn't even do that. <clears throat> to, to do that day in and day out, mm-hmm. tough. So a 47 year old doing that, do. and then if this happens in 20 years, all those people are 67. Mm-hmm. Who's coming behind them to be yeah. a plumber? No, you know, no one wants to be a plumber because they all want. To, and look, I'm self-checking myself because anyone who's listening, like you're a fucking podcaster, I get it, right? Um, but I mean, this this the folks that are coming up, these Gen Z. So, folks, what is it you have against plumbers? Nothing. I'm saying instead of everyone wants to be a, a JoJo Siwa YouTube star, in, Instagram influencer, and um, you, how, how does that work? I mean, someone's got to be a plumber. Yeah. Like, well, and, and all these kids are, because I've heard, oh, well, I've heard younger on. kids. I get, I, now I get the point. I've heard we've, younger kids be like, I want to be a, a, a YouTuber, uh, an Instagram influencer, a Twitter star. And it's like, well, may I say. Will someone be a plumber, please? I don't think that is like Gen Z is going to be all influencers and there's going to be no one wiping our grandparents butts in the nursing home or something you know what i mean i don't think it's no one signing be up that. for those jobs they don't want them they'd rather sit unemployed at home and with but their, they never with their wanted parents. them would never they never wanted them but there are more options now well from what i understand i'll see you ditch digging no I, like i said I, I called myself out i'm a i'm podcasting well i have a busted headset that, right that's one ear flopping up like i i get the irony in me saying calling the millennials out but well, okay, so I have to beg, I have to create Gen the conversation, and because uh, you started this, uh, so this is your fault. <laughs> um, I have to bring the question because um, being in this Twitter sphere, that I have seen a lot of people complaining about how oh, you we we were told as millennials you have to go to college, you have to get a master's degree, you have to do all these things to be successful, but Gen Zers are now millennials, childrens. Chill, chill, <gasps> child, kids, children, Louisiana, maybe. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, if you're 36 and if you had a kid at 20, they're 16. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about this? No, that was well, how t- many that kids was, do that, I maybe have? That was Tony who had that uh, near, uh, near near kid experience. <laughs> kid you're right. Experience. You're right. Um, yeah. So that that's the thing is like these kids are now hearing their millennial parents saying like. Um, if they're telling them to chase some money still, just like my parents always told me, look for the money, don't look for what your passion is. Uh, and I'm mm. hoping that millennial parents are being better and they're like, chase your passion instead. Uh, but if a kid wants to not go into mass amounts of debt that is just not being dealt with here in America, then going to trade school is a huge option. Because some of these people who are working um, as plumbers or as um, AC, HVAC you know, people, these people are making six figures. Like, mm-hmm. And that's not something that I think I'll ever see in the near future. And they're and their own boss. Exactly. They're, they're their own boss. They're able to run these, company, these companies of being able to, you know, schedule whenever they want to, you know, do whatever they want to, essentially. Like, I'm taking off and, you know, whatever. So it's like, you can make money by going to these trade schools for a year two years whatever it is so no matter how smart you are going to university and getting thirty thousand dollars or more of debt uh and not getting a job that's paying you more than thirty thousand dollars to get that out many um influencers supposed influencers influencers and then also in have you walked through downtown the baby, or a park recently in the baby like, boomer generation where supposedly all of them were hippies and they were all living on communes or whatever they only did that for a few years and then they all you know, turn into Republicans. Yeah. Okay. So, so I you think, think that Gen Z is going to be, become a bunch of Republicans. Gen Z will morph into whatever they need to be, just like we do. 
Um, well, I don't know. This is the generation that's seen school shooting after school shooting, and but we had that growing up too. I don't know to the degree that they. I mean, I know that you guys had them. Oh, we did. I had to wear a uniform the last year of school because of Columbine. But the the thing is, like, you can. I mean, you can make money as a podcaster. I mean, if you work at it or as a mm. YouTube influencer, so why not do that instead of trying to go out in the heat of summer? But in why Houston? are you saying it like it's um, okay? Let me. Let me Jojo, we haven't even. She's what one years old in your notes <laughs> she, so far. She is one full on just one year old. <laughs> uh, we we know her name, Joellen Joellefer. Jo- Joelle Joni. Oh, uh, but okay. Well, here's my question: If you're going to say that um, all these Gen Zers just want to be influencers and yada yada yada, but they're getting paid for a reason, so. There's a demand, so you always it's you go where the demand. They're demand is. by brands, brand. So, for example, when you have a, you don't even have to be popular on Twitter to end up having a viral tweet. Because some of these viral tweets that I see, I look at their followers, and there's like 200 followers. So these people that have gone wild with hundreds of thousands of likes and retweets and all this stuff have only 200 followers. But companies will see this tweet and will pay them for that tweet to reply and say you should try out this product, like. Just mm. in the replies, so that when people are looking, I mean, they're not getting through, paid much, but they're still getting money regardless. So, so then these people who are getting these like little bits of attention through these little things think like, oh, all of a I sudden, I love it though. I, I think it's the democratization of celebrity. I do. I just of, think mm. you you have to work at it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen. I mean, Lil Nas X, right? We've talked about him mm-hmm. not as a topic, but, but I don't think that makes it sound like it's a lazy generation. I don't no, think no, they're any more well, lazy saying, than anybody else. But you got to hustle at it. And but it, it 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 seems a lot easier to be like, "Oh, you mean all I have to do is try a million times, tweet a million times and at least, you know, eventually one of those will pop up viral." Um and that's easy to do from Oh, a my, viral pop up doesn't sound good. The, from from my <laughs> I know you about know, that, you know. From my own apartment or my bedroom <laughs> where I still live with my parents and I'm 20, you know, in, in my 20s. Like, it, it's easy to do that versus being like, oh, you mean I have to go work and crawl under a house in the heat of summer in Houston? Like, mm-mm. That, like, well, you were doing do that, that in the winter. But see, yeah. I also think there's like a sense of like mental um, issue and depression when it comes to this stuff. Because it's like, okay, you want me to go out and get a degree, but I already know because you're my parent who has gone through this and already paid off $30,000, $50,000 of student loan debt on a $30,000 a year salary when you were in your 20s, um, there's that sense of, like, what urgency do I have to do any of this stuff? Because I getting out of college at the age of 22 and having to sit in an apartment that I'm paying dirt cheap or have five roommates and not be able to afford a house for the next 10 years because I have to pay off my loans before I can even start to think about children. And that's why the age of children has gone back, what, almost five years in the past, like, decade or two. The fact that millennials are like, we can't, freaking afford to buy a house a new car or anything like that let alone have children so why are we gonna have children and then then there's like this new study that came out with coronavirus they're like expecting a baby boom because everyone's just at home having sex while they were having sex with protection because they were like we can't afford a child (laughs) with other men exactly they're all queer everyone's queer they're all the campsites (laughs) they're all the campsites so that's what i'm saying it's like these these gen zers have seen the effects of uh, Gen X, the boomers already, and even the the plight of the millennials from what we've experienced. So they're like, why do I want to do that? Why would I want to do that? And so then they're just sitting 
at home with their parents for an extended period of time trying to find themselves or do whatever because they're in a lost world. I love it. I'm down for it. They're in the... I think it's great. I think it's freedom. Yeah. I think So if they want to... And I'm not saying that every single Gen Z person wants to be an influencer, but when you are given those little tidbits of you have that one viral tweet, you're all of a sudden like... I'm an influencer. Can I I'm do something. This? Exactly. I mean, you talk to me when I'm like, oh, I have 7,000 followers on Twitter. By the way, like, Chris has 7,000 I have 7,000 followers. Um, oh so I think that I'm this celebrity, you know, you know, no big deal. No, not really. But, <laughs> like, the, the, you, give a, you give a kid that little bit of information, yeah. that little tidbit of, of attention, that, you know, excitement. What, what's the incentive, though, Titulation. to go out and, again, contrast that to going out in the heat of the summer you know, climbing on top of a roof. No, the or, vast you know. majority of almost ninety nine point nine 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 percent are never going to be any kind of influencer, and I don't no, think that's going to be. I there. know that, but they're, you're trying to make an argument that people are eventually they'll come around and sign up. All my all my point is, if the average age of a plumber is forty seven, the millennials decided they didn't want to opt for a trade, so but the Gen adapting. Z folks, that, but they're not adapting fast enough to. Are you saying but, we have all these washed up? YouTube influencers that are now in YouTube influencer homes because they cannot ever make a living because they spent six months between some 18 and have, 18 and a half. Some of them have been canceled. I mean, you look at General Marbles, you look at Shane Dawson. These are, these are, but millennial. Not, there aren't that many though. But there are a lot of people trying to look at YouTube. Yeah. I mean, there's a number they're of good. Channels. I look love that TikTok. they're trying. Though. It is, but they're the, the F, they are putting out this, um, I don't know. It's not... It, well, that work ethic that you're saying they're putting out so hard and it's not working that they're really, really trying, they will use that same drive and motivation to adapt and do something else. If I don't think the world is littered with former YouTube influencers. Well, they're not former. A lot of them never made it to begin with. Uh, I just so, think it's a bland old people's... No. Like I, all of X generation is... Influencers. No, I'm not and... saying. I'm saying they're they're when you weigh up the options of like, can I be an influencer? Do I, you know, what do I do with my English degree? What do I do with my history degree? Oh, I can try this. I can write. I mean, in the freelance world too, and I'm part of it. Um, you know, you can do, you can get gig jobs, right? Um, so why not try that versus go? Well, again, I think a craft Gen Z of anyone that's ever existed on Earth will know exactly how to navigate the gig economy. It's the only economy they've ever known. It's the yeah. only thing they know. The challenge is it's not. It's That's, hard to come by. You have to, you know, to get a steady it, stream of business. Right, but the connotation of what you're saying is that they're not trying hard enough is if they just want everything handed to them. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think they're more... I don't think that's what Thomas is saying, but that might be what you're no. you're hearing. I mean, I think there's some of that, but I do think, because it's different, because they have, I mean, they have been given opportunities. Everything's been easier for a generation. I'm not saying, I mean, my generation too, like I'm on the cusp of the millennial. So I've had technology. I've had, you know, uh, to... to I've had a lot of luxuries that the generation before me didn't have. Um, so I'm not saying that there's not a work ethic. I mean, I teach these students, so I, these kids, so I, I know that they're, they're, they're hardworking, they're trying, but there is a, a sense of like, Oh, uh, my parents told me to get a degree. So then I'll get a degree. I don't see the effort. Um, and it, it, I, people were doing see, this. I think that was millennial and gener- gen X um, generations were like, we have to blindly get the degree and then we have yeah, to because that's what boomers put in XYZ, put in, in yeah. right and so and, i think maybe we were the ones that were kind of like blind and well this is what i have to do to be quote successful unquote right. and it, i it, think the generation behind generation uh, or two behind us <laughs> um 
they're like, no, we just we're survivors. We have to figure out how to do it because y'all left this place and that's what you mentioned the, the gig economy and i think the gig economy is massive with the gen gen zers right now uh i mean you've got you know these up-and-coming drag queens that uh, most of the drag queens on rupaul's drag race are all under the age of 25 and you know out there doing the gen z stuff uh and then you have you know only fans that came out and everyone's selling their bodies instead of uh being able to actually making more money off of selling their bodies than they are from their jobs that they've got from getting a degree or I love it because whatever. there's a demand for naked bodies. Exactly. But, but you have to do, unless you, you like you always like to talk about the discounted uh, OnlyFans folks who always have OnlyFans. <laughs> well, I'm scared to do OnlyFans because I know I'm going to start out at what I think is a reasonable price, let's say $5.99, and then I might That's quickly cheap, realize that there's no demand for that. So then I have to slash it. And I don't think there's Penny anything sadder on earth well, than I'm having not... to discount your OnlyFans. It's like Christmas and Christmas and February sale. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm, one penny. Black I, Friday sale. Lonely Hearts Club. I will not lie. The the week of not having a shower and being smelly, I was like, someone would pay for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do have to say that. It's <laughs> 20 bucks. Someone paid good money for that. Uh, um, anyway, I, I've uh, skewed far from JoJo. Do JoJo Siwa. JoJo who? <laughs> JoJo. Uh, yeah, so she was listed as Time Magazine's most 100 most influential people in the world. Um and then I had my joke, so I had to re- reiterate that one. So because I wrote down my Did joke. Did you write down your joke? I, I wrote, wrote down my joke. Uh, she is literally. Wait, will you write down when we're supposed to laugh? Oh, was it okay? I'll write. I'll write in parentheses. I'll say it afterwards. Okay. Okay, please. Uh, she is full on seventeen years old, making the time one hundred most influential people in the world, uh, and she's made it. Uh, I'm twenty eight, and I work for a sock company. Insert laugh. There we go. Uh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this slipped right on. That joke just slipped right on. <laughs> Shut up. Anyways. I'm gonna sock that laugh away for later. <laughs> um. So her mom, Jessalyn Siwa, um, she's a professional dance instructor, and her dad is a chiropractor. Not important, but she. It is important because her mom helps her start her career at the age of 11 by auditioning for Abby's Ultimate Dance Competition. Mm, Uh, Abby is Abby Lee Miller, who is famous from Dance Mom. So that's the reason why I put that in there. Um, Isn't she in prison now or going to prison? I tried to look up more information about her, and there's not that much out there. She's been Because I think there's there's some things that are going on here. Yeah, it it was not very positive about her. uh, There was, like, things about, like, racial backlash and, like, Mm. you know, all this. And I was like... Ooh, girl, what did you do? You're not my topic, but you did something, didn't you, girl? You, you went down a, a dark road. Um, so JoJo Siwa was actually the youngest contestant um, at this ultimate dance competition or whatever it was called. Um, and because she was only 11 when she participated. But she made it to the top five, uh, which uh, then thrust her into... Uh, and her mom into the dance mom's fame. Mm. Um, so in the May of 2016, she began uh, releasing music. She released a hit song called Boomerang that I've never heard of. Um, it was I li- a hit, though. I listened to it, and I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> is this like Friday all over again? You remember Friday, oh, yeah. Rebecca Black? Mm. Um, so it apparently addressed online bullying uh, and has been be- viewed over a billion, almost a billion times. Oh, wow. A billion. Like, Russian oh, bots. Yeah, her. basically just people watching it over and over over again. Um, I'm, I have to think uh, back. Like, I don't bots. think even some of Gaga's songs have hit a billion. Like, 
bad romance. I'm not certain this reads. I don't know. It could be. There's long. been a couple. I, I think it might. But yes, I mean, but, but you're. <laughs> shit. Uh, uh, a billion is a is a significant. It's a large. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of a billion. It's how no. many Big Macs have been sold? Yeah, a daily. billion Big Macs daily. <laughs> In America. Uh, so Just she also got her name as a breakout star in uh, 2018 uh, at the age of 15. Uh, she started her first major concert tour in 2019 called, uh, titled D-R-E-A-M, The Tour. So Dream Tour. Um, oh, Okay. Across U.S., Canada, U.K. I don't know if you could spell. I was just checking. Uh-uh, no. no absolutely No, not. but I can count real good. I can count um, real good. So she was in four countries and doing this at the age of... Uh, 16. Four passport stamps and boom, by yeah. 16. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but there are two things that JoJo is most known for. She's most known for her YouTube videos about her day-to-day -day life, and she's known for her giant and also <gasps> rather tight oh. hair bows. Oh. Those don't go wow. together, don't really. No. Giant <laughs> but, uh, so as for her hair ties, she actually released a line of hair bows with Claire's in 2016. Uh, JoJo called uh, her bows a symbol of power, confidence, and believingness. Because I think that's a word that she... She made up. She made up. Because um, I guess when you're a celebrity and making lots of money, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all, this is all just about believingness. Just believingness. It makes you feel good. And she's from Michigan, or where is she? Nebraska. Has she had oh. has she had to do a, an apology uh, YouTube video yet? She has not, and I'll get into quarantine. that. Because <laughs> that's that's what they all all the YouTube stars. Has do she that. made a Rage A tape yet? She has not done anything. Uh, from what I have researched, she hasn't done anything bad. Okay, well, I want to apologize right now to you specifically, JoJo Seawall, because I know you're listening. Yep, she's definitely listening to the podcast because this will show up in a hashtag. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. not lying. Yeah. And, she, and we she's love you, seventeen, Ray. so we are praising you. Yeah, well, we'll get there. We'll get to the no praise. matter what Chris says. <laughs> what is so? What is that? How does that? So she hasn't had to do an apology. She hasn't. From what? Well, I mean, she might have. I haven't. Well, she posts <laughs> daily videos, so I'm not going to go watch. You didn't watch. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I didn't watch. I didn't watch uh, twelve thousand, twelve hundred videos. <laughs> so you're just, not just to be here. Videos, so you... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just to research. Jojo. I, lo I love those. You those apologies. What do you mean just? Like, those the. <laughs> This, this is my apology video. Yeah, right? this is my. <laughs> my name is Chris, and I'm from three podcasts. Well, first of all, I don't know much about her, but I like her. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> there's always a but and a big but. Okay, uh, just kidding. Um, and I think it's she actually has a kinda, big but. Don't body shame but her. No, Chris. Oh my God. I think it's actually kind of funny because we talked about me doing JoJo Siwa before she came out. Which I think was entertaining to you me. You just spilled yeah, the beans. It was entertaining. Blah, 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 blah. It was entertaining to me as well because I was like, "Oh, look at that! She's a that, big old lesbian." This is so weird. This yeah. is, we we just talked Not about. Oh, wait, she, she doesn't have a big. Appropriately she's, sized. She's taller than me. <laughs> Everyone's taller than you, Chris. I'm only five eight. Okay, <laughs> I'm a pocket gay apparently, <laughs> according to Twitter. Anyways, um, so there's the, seven thousand followers on Twitter. I have seven thousand followers on Twitter. <laughs> it's no big deal. They all have me muted, so none of my tweets get in here. You eight five Snickers. Uh, you see this belly? <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> uh, the line is, "Have you seen my waist size?" <laughs> it's we can harken back to our friend Tony. No, the line is, pour one that out ain't baby pour, pour some out for our homies. Just... It's not on the table. <laughs> what just if I just like poured one? All we, don't have any, we don't have any water to wash it <laughs> out. So. Oh the worst. Thank you, plumbers. <laughs> Thank Millennials, you. if you're looking for a job or a Gen Z, I've got plumbers that I can connect you with. They're on their way. <laughs> Economy Works can help you. <laughs> no, we the have line 800 is... years of experience here. Okay. <laughs> that ain't baby fat. 
that fat baby. <laughs> what? That's the line. That is, yes, it is the line. Who said that? I forget what t- context we were talking about it, but I felt like the line needed to be said. Well, there we go. We have it. And, I'm, and y'all want to know? Really, this is my Gen Z. Uh, Millennialness. Your Gen Z. Well, they I used to it. call us. I'm old enough Welcome to be to called stage, Gen Y. Gen Z. Well, we were Gen Y until yeah. the 2000s, and they had done flipped a And they were like, oh, no, 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 not happening anymore. Yeah. But I got that little joke. Okay. <laughs> that ain't fat. That's just fat, baby. From Moesha. Moesha? Mm-hmm. Um, Remember, y'all, did y'all watch Moesha? He has nope. no idea who Moesha is. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even close to the cusp yet. <laughs> Global warnings. Be nice to him. Yeah, already nipping at his ankles. I'm just the whippersnapper. <laughs> He's just a whippersnapper. <laughs> All right, JoJo. JoJo. So JoJo's uh, like back to me. Back boys. to me, bitch. She's like, uh, I'm listening for a reason, y'all. <laughs> so her bows became massively popular uh, around the world, but also importantly. Uh, in the UK, where then things started getting banned, her bows started getting banned. Uh, Hi, from... we, I was about to say we love the UK. They, they the number two country in uh, in the world that listens to our podcast. <laughs> Whoa, oh, yeah, the there you go. Yeah. They well, would never think of themselves as a number two. No, country well, I'm mean, just saying in terms of we. So, hey, UK, People you want to be number one? You got to be. Uh, you gotta listen more like the the U.S. Folks well, maybe they'll know about JoJo Siwa's yeah. uh, bows because apparently they were very popular in the U.K. Uh, they got banned from schools for reasons like peer pressure because everyone's like, "Oh, you have to have a JoJo Siwa bow." Um, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> uh, they apparently also cause distractions because her bows are not small. They are large bows. Lar- like think drag queen bows. Tell me they weren't choking each other out with bows. I would really hope so. Like Shangela bows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they were violating dress code and uh, more and more. There was a whole bunch of listing Scandal, reasons why they it. were yeah scandalous. Um, and I was like, uh, how do I say politely to everyone who banned these in the UK? Okay, boomer. <laughs> That's yeah, all. Yeah, but I had I'm to sure say. there was some like Gen very Z American of like, you. Yeah. I'm sure some Gen Z was like, "Where's the burka bow? Like this is discriminating against yeah. because these aren't uh, appealing to uh, people." Pe- Everyone of all faiths. Yeah. Gen Z, that's y'all. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's not no, y'all. That's, that's y'all at the campground. The Gen, pecker chicken. The, the Gen Z's the super woke. The, okay, we gotta have so, something for everything, which is fine. I, I agree, but it's like it gets to a point. Hey, if you want to go ask a bow, ask Jojo for a burka bow. I'm sure she would make it. Honestly, she'd be like, all right. Well, see, you're what the you're, Gen Z on this like podcast, it. then, because you're always like adding a for new the next, yeah. It's like, what if letter and symbol to the. What if you're bald and you can't wear a bow? Like, what if you're sick with cancer and you can't wear a bow? Watch me things like these are the things that gen z's like but see i wouldn't doubt that uh jojo as part of her bow line would be like all right i'll like, do that my generation is like get that bow off it doesn't yeah, look lady like but the so, way you say gen z sounds gen- like get me another gen z get me another gen z son i mean that's what i asked spence like can you give me another gen z please yeah i know hey, can i get another gen z, gen z? i'd like another gen, gen z, z? oh i want to okay gen but z. i do have something to point out <laughs> <laughs> Keep your pants on. Oh, okay, then I won't. Grandpa. <laughs> Try to show, that's how, that's how you get in trouble. You're showing the Gen Z's your point. <laughs> what? Showing the Gen Z's your point. Like, let me show you. I got something to point yeah, at. Yeah, they are not afraid to talk about the sexual harassment, so you better yeah. watch out. They will call uh, you out. They will destroy your They're life. probably going to be canceled after oh this podcast. God, I know. Well, when the coast gets closer and closer to your house every day. You ain't got nothing to do. Especially living in Houston. It's just coming right over Galveston. Well, that's the pipes. 
from under the your house. Pipe. All the pipes that are flooded here in Houston just... <laughs> and we don't have any plumbers, apparently, because <laughs> uh, Gen Zers don't want to be plumbers. They don't want to be plumbers. No one well, would you do a YouTube tutorial on how to plumb? <laughs> <laughs> what the, what do you mean how to plumb? <laughs> I would like you to define that for me. <laughs> Let's go to the bathroom. I'll show you. <laughs> Just kidding. I have a husband. That's how you get in trouble. There's no water in this house, so maybe I we should. have shouldn't. a husband, an infrequent listener. He might not ever hear this. I don't think he's ever heard it. <laughs> Anyways. JoJo, please. So, we're on page one. The, I'm on page two, okay? We made it some some distance. So the hair ties were even uh, the focus on Kendo's Drag Race. We talked about this a little yes, bit earlier. Yes, take us there, please. Uh, so I want to talk about uh, a little bit about this. Um, that I really think that uh, for people who did not know who JoJo Siwa was... I had never known. Exactly. Uh, jo- who JoJo Siwa was at the time uh, of Kendo's Drag Race. Kendo's Drag Race really like broke a lot of barriers because Kendo's Drag Race and even Season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race uh, was like bringing into... Um, the light, new um, people, new new uh, artists, new uh, icons, role models mm-hmm. that are, are you know popular right now. It was the first, like you said, it was the first time that's really been done. Like yeah. they all tried tried to, you know, even if they didn't, they're like, I'm going to be Madonna. There were some of them be that funny were funny for RuPaul. Is right. that's mm-hmm. all that people wanted yeah. to and, be. And there were some that were on the cusp of like you know the Tamar Braxton, for mm-hmm. example. Like those were newer, kind of recent. Yeah. Um, but then JoJo Siwa. I mean, it was JoJo Siwa. Who's the 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 robot? Who was uh, Marie the robot and Poppy? And those Pop- are Chris Smith. No, well, yeah. here's the thing about RuPaul, is that he might not know these people, some of them, but he good is good, funny is funny. Well, yes, but he he would always question like you should be doing why why don't you do uh, so? But then Maria the robot said, "I understand your concerns, <laughs> and I do not." Yeah, have that them. was before she was Maria the, the robot. That was yeah. Gigi Good, <laughs> and Gigi Good was that good. That was she was that good exactly. Uh, so it, you're you're right in that aspect that you still have to be funny to be oh, funny, <laughs> but also RuPaul will laugh at these things that are more funny when she understands a reference. A perfect example, not related to this podcast really much at all, but UK's Drag Race season two just had um, their snatch game, and RuPaul in certain jokes that were funny to a lot of people in the UK, RuPaul killed the jokes because she didn't understand British slang. Yeah, and so these people would bring up these words that RuPaul didn't know, and she'd be like. What is that? I don't get it. And so then no one was laughing anymore. Yeah. So it was like, I feel badly for the UK mm. folks because they do try. I mean, they they, they try, try it, and and it's she doesn't get it. Yeah. And you can tell she's still trying to put on some American flair on mm-hmm. it. And it's like, well, that's going to work for your folks, your audience in America, but not but for yeah your market. In but UK. I think the British know our she, slang. At she this needs point. to take my globalization marketing uh, management class. <laughs> she really does. To give her lesson. Well, you should <laughs> do a YouTube video. Have a Gen Zer teach oh, you. Oh, there you go. How to, to use the YouTube talk directly yeah, to. I can't just point the screen to RuPaul, who is not on YouTube. Our bartender. Um, what is his name? Is Spencer? What does Andy Cohen call his uh, in the uh, Andy Cohen Live? He's got those bartenders in there. Uh, just delivered his drink. He's not calling him Bob the Drag Queen because you're worried about that. Oh, what happened? Well, I are thought this was. I the thought this was. I thought this was weird too. So it, when I read this last you know week, this it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob the drag queen said, "I will never go on Watch What Happens Live again because RuPaul. I mean, uh, pff, not RuPaul. Andy had me on there with. And I forget the no, celebrities. It was a good celebrity. A good as in like famous, but he said." 
I'm the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, and you're going to have me. Because we've all seen the bar- bartenders on there, right? Yeah. He just says, and the bartender tonight is Bob the Drag Queen, and never asking the bartenders anything ever. So he had, um, oh, this is what it was. It was, uh, I don't think it was Patty LuPone, but it was some celebrity. Let's say it's a Patty LuPone impersonators. So Patty LuPone was a guest, and they had five Patty LuPone impersonators, and one of which was RuPaul. I mean, uh, drag, Bob the Drag Queen. And Bob was like, how are you going to have me on as an impersonator when I am a winner of one of the most popular shows yep. in the country? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the most popular winners. I'm I should be sitting next well. to Patty LuPone. Exactly. Thank you. And I agree with that. Like, it diminishes their accomplishment. Well, he, he's, but they uh, should not have agreed to do that. He's mm-hmm. also one that's like RuPaul. He's messy, and, sloppy. No, well, no, he's got his uh, references are dated. And mm-hmm. they're old school, which is fine. Um, but and I he, think he's, he doesn't... And, he'll and, never have JoJo Siwa on his show. No. Uh, unless his younger producers are like doing that. But he will be like RuPaul saying, no, that's not funny. Like, I, what's funny is Dynasty. What's funny is uh, Saved by the Bell. And it's Real like, Housewives, yeah, all that yeah, shit. And they're, you know, the folks that are 18 to 24 years old, they're like, I'm not care. watching that. Yeah, no. What's Dynasty? Yeah, uh, you know. What you know? Who's Felicity? What's her name? Who was the Dynasty? I don't even remember her name. Snuffleupagus. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so she was on uh, focused on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, Canada, or I'm sorry, not RuPaul's Drag Race, it was Canada's Drag Race, right. which Copy I think them. is why it landed better because Canada's Drag Race was run by two young human beings. Uh, <laughs> period. Uh, I mean, we had Jeffrey Burrow Chapman, who's a judge. We have... Um, oh, y'all loved him, didn't you? No. I, I remember uh, the, the rupee uh, uh, the, recaps. We yeah. went through that. How much, how much um, y'all loved him. And then we had uh, Brooklyn Heights, and then even Stacey... What's her name? Stacey... I was going to say... Stacey McKenzie. Stacey McKenzie. I was going to say Stacey Matthews. She's she's a drag queen. No, Stacey McKenzie. And she's a model. So she's in you know the real world and doing these things. And she's she's older, but she's not as old as RuPaul. So we've got these three younger judges, quote unquote, that are understanding these references and understood who Jojo Siwa was. And so despite Lemon being... Lemon the drag queen was the one who did... Jojo I thought Seymour. that was UK. Okay. No, this was this was. Oh, Canada's. that's who's the one from UK that left? Jenny Lemon. Okay, Jenny Lemon. Okay. Um, uh, so Lemon did Jojo Siwa, and she did it amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did it in like a way that like teased, um, Jojo, but like did not take it to a point where it was like you know destroying who Jojo was, which is good but, comedy. That's well, it. I don't know. It was if I were Jojo at the time, fourteen, watching, I'd be like, ouch. Yeah, she was 17 yeah, when it came out. But um, yeah. Okay. But it's yeah. good comedy. I mean, if you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race, you know it's it's like watching SNL. Like if you're mm-hmm. on there, you're like, okay. And I'm I, being mocked. I, like I, I would agree, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't in a dis, a mm-hmm. tasteful way. Is yeah. That a word? Um, yeah, but also you have to understand that she's been on television since she was 11. And she's been a dance mom's a reality TV because show. of her parents. Yeah, she's being not because of anything. Can't wait for that documentary. Huh? Oh no, I really have a. Um, I feel for kids that were for, for all kids, especially if you have a a rough school life, are going to be like, yeah, I want to be famous because you get that adulation, you get that like fix of people that love you and adore you and paying for whatever project product you're giving out there, but their little baby brains are not capable of digesting and understanding the stuff that's going on around them and also they don't have control over anything i mean jojo might say she's picking out the bow she wants to sell but her mom or her manager or whoever could nix that whoever's you know signed the contract 
can say, nope, we're not doing that bow, baby. That's really sweet that you think you want to do that, but actually what we're going to do is. So I think it really messes with these kids um, to where they're not quite decision makers or not quite adults, but they're put in a role to where like they're making money for everybody, but they're not the ones making all the decisions. So I really feel for somebody like this girl who I know is um, stressed out about how people view her mm-hmm. and yeah. how the world, whole world is talking about her, especially now. Like that's, that's rough. Especially being on the internet their entire lives. Yeah. And right? she's not going to move out and have her own house. Yeah. I mean, I know she's like 27, but it's hard to move out as a Gen Z. She's probably got like, a ton of like, no, she's got millions of bucks in her bank. She, she's no, I, no, I'm saying that, but she's also very. You don't. If I had kids that wanted to be movie star or whatever, I would say that's great, boo boo. You do that when you're 18. Yeah. But until then, you, I am raising you. Yeah. To be an adult, so that if you do want to be an actor, a famous actor, I've given you all the tools necessary to you to do that on your own. And I just feel like once you introduce that to someone who's whatever age before 18. I just feel like it's too soon. But see, I think... Okay. But that's just me, a millennial. So, yeah, the, the this is where I'm going to come at that in a different way because I think that the, the kids nowadays are hitting a different level of um, growing up in a different weird way than we did. And, like, millennials and i mean i'm sorry to exclude you thomas but that's okay uh people who grew up with a lot more internet interaction um so she has experienced internet bullying since forever she can see it she's been around it and since you can be on on the line on the line oh boy (laughs) who's the boomer who's the boomer reference who's the boomer now on the line since uh i mean you could be online you've seen the comment sections of Anywhere you go, whatever website you go to is going to be a shit show, no matter what happens. Um, no matter what, where you're going is going to be a shit show now. So, I mean, she's going to see these, you know, people attacking each other for, I mean, you go to my company that I am a client for, and it's a sock company. You go to the reviews that they are literally bashing each other for political beliefs on reviews for, for socks. socks. Like, what is it? So, anyway. No, they're still blaming s- Obama. Obama yeah. sucks. You see these, um, you see this shit everywhere from the the very beginning. So, she was raised to see these things. And you'll I'll talk about this later down. She actually, from what I understand, has a very level head about bullying and dealing with trolls and all that stuff. Especially since she's been doing YouTube videos for the past five years almost daily. I mean, do you not think that they're going on YouTube and like, you know, those trolls that are on there saying your videos are bullshit? You know what? Well, maybe she is some superhuman to where it's never affected her water off a duck's back, whatever. She has Uh, really good support from her parents. But if she were, let's say, a normal 14-year-old or whatever, who has a YouTube channel to where she can read... 100 comments a day that says you fat bitch yeah or i knew you were a dyke all along yeah sounds rough to us hearing this talking about it right now but that's the kind of stuff people hear because oh, it's yeah. just so easy to do so if a 
And those comments are just from your account. <laughs> I know, and I don't know if she's right on me. This is from L tags, right? <laughs> I mean, no, just, we just account. answer mine. No, I'm kidding. Um, I just feel for little child celebrities. No, and I agree with you. I think that there is, especially after watching Framing Brittany, that there is a level that we don't understand what's going on behind the scenes, and there could be something that I don't know what we're seeing at, on the surface level for JoJo. Well, so. I think it's like a kid that wants to eat chocolate and candy all the time and they're throwing up because they're have, they have no nutrition and they're obese and they're made fun of and they're all these types of things a kid is going to want to be as famous as they can possibly be because yeah. that's validation and and that's even more so with gen z i'm so sick of saying the word gen z but because of the fact that there's so many more new outlets than just television and movies to be famous yeah but that still does not take away the fact that there are hateful, mean people out there that if you're a little kid, let's say you're 12 years old and you get famous, there are going to be 140, 15-year-old, countless adults saying, you're not special, you're not. And hearing that one time as a kid can really have an impact Destroy on you, you, yeah. Uh, hearing it a hundred times is like, why? Why are we doing this? Yeah, you're not. I'm sorry, but you're not so special that you have to endure this for the greater good of humanity. Yeah, for the bows, y'all. I agree. Know? I agree with what you're saying. I do. Uh, it can definitely bring a person down. So, despite RuPaul's drag, or sorry, Canada's drag race portraying her the way she was portrayed, um, I think that she's. She's got Gen Z. She's got a need some more Gen Z. Some more Gen Z there. Uh, I think that she's got a thicker skin than. Um, I know, than, but why does she have to have a thick skin for us? I know, I know, I know. Why does she have to endure hatred so well, that she can make more money? Like, what is it? What is the payoff? What well, the, is the payoff from you being a child, being having a job? Like, what is the appropriate time to have a full-time job as but, a kid but also uh, i have to give a little argument here because a person who's worked in customer service for 10 years uh i deal with that abuse every single day every single day of my life that i've worked in in customer service we have had people come in and say the stupidest shit and yell at me about the stupidest shit uh i'm in perfect example today a customer was pissed off because their uh, package was delayed by two days uh, because there was winter storms in 73% of the freaking country. And they were like, why well, don't I have my package yet? And then I sent them a thing. I was like, oh, yeah, USPS is delayed because you, you know all this stuff. Package. And, yeah, I sent them my package. I just picture, just full on, just like Here's dick and balls. Uh, and and they, they were not understanding. They were like, this is not an excuse. You can fly over. They were like, you can fly over this and, you know, blah, blah. I was like, that's not how shipping works. For like, socks? I don't, but for socks. you are an adult. But, well, and the I'm an adult. The and it's not about you. They're not attacking you. But they're attacking I, you. Yeah. You're client but like if they were to, if you were to zooming and you and they started talking about your physical appearance or yeah. your age or whatever or your balls or and um, i understand i understand that like as an adult you're right children um, just aren't equipped to handle it so, that's my so what should, should should she do like should should she get off the air and stop producing i mean she's no it's get not about what she should do now gonna, because that train is kind of her mom she, pushed that train down the hill i think it's more so for me if you're a kid your job is school. And then if and when you're 16, if, I think it's good for a kid to have a job. But my thing is, like, yeah, you have a job. Your job is school. And maybe that's just the millennial in me. A millennial. But uh, I think because, in, yeah, I just think people are too cruel to be put on a public forum like YouTube or to be put on a TV show. 
because then that's expectations because there's a the child the whole child star trope about how you know they all go crazy huh like completely unrelated isn't that so funny how child stars always go crazy no it's because the the their family a lot of times the mom and dad quit their job for their kid to be the cash cow yeah and the kid is now having to learn all doing all the hard work learning the lines um making money for everybody uh the parents really stay together i mean it's just a lot of pressure yeah yeah. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. That's that's the thing. I do agree with what you're saying, and I understand what you're saying. Um, and, and this, well, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> I just like Oprah said, all we want to be do is get is be validated. There you go. <laughs> I think you might have gotten that wrong. We'll talk about it. Afterwards. She said that it was our last uh, last uh, episode before she signed off. All we want to do is be validated to feel heard. Okay. Oh my <laughs> gosh, this girl knows it word more for about word. Oprah. <laughs> She's got the transcript in her head. Well, I mean, I agree with you for a certain extent. Um, I do agree that there is a level of schooling they all need to to be a part of. I mean, look at Katy Perry. She left school in... I have to look at her. (laughs) She was a freshman in high school that dropped out and got her GD later and, you know, all that other stuff. So I think there's a level of education that is needed, beyond a doubt. And also a level of growing up and just being a human being. But... I mean, there's still those instances where, I mean, child actors are needed as well. So, I mean, we can't just say, don't be an actor. Um, uh, no, because you can put David Spade in a wig, and he looks still, to this day, oh my God. looks like a 11-year-old girl. Boomer. <laughs> Boomer. Anyways, so... Uh, no David Spade reference. JoJo's hair ties. <laughs> her hair ties were um, uh, also a concern about how tight she wears her hair ties. Uh, because there were always, uh, people teased that, and Kendo's uh, uh, Dragas also teased that. Mm-hmm. Because apparently, apparently it's, it has led to issues with traction alopecia, that her <gasps> hair ties are so tight that her hair is falling out. Um, I don't know if this is confirmed, because that was not confirmed on any sources. It was just Google had that out there. <laughs> that she has a disease, and that's what it, she, what it said that she had. So... There's that. Uh, then we also have her YouTube personality uh, beyond her hair ties. Uh, her YouTube personality was the main attraction for who JoJo Siwa was. Um, that garnered the most attraction by showing an amount of visibility for a person of fame. Uh, she also showed a level of vulnerability um, at a young age that she shared with her fans uh, that are called Siwanators, which I thought was really funny. So I had to include that. Um, which elevated her status as an icon and a role model for yous and other Gen Z and even people now in elementary school. Like, she is an elementary school star. People in elementary school know who Jojo Siwa is. Um, so she's a 17-year-old that youngsters... Re- um, see, me being very aware that she's listening right now. <laughs> or making grand assumptions. Do we think maybe her image is a little childish? And it needs to be upgraded. It is. Uh, oh, well, so upgraded. Wait. Upgraded you, is it? Hold it, on for a second. This is the guy now critiquing a, uh, the career the of what star. she should be doing for us. Yes, yeah. which the is followers. the reason why. Because I think of it as like a she hit her big time as a child. It's almost like Miley had the same issue. Brittany. Well, Brittany still all of them that were in, they don't know how to Blame because Brittany. we need. We need them to be kids, but we also need them to grow up. So it's kind of 
what what does the public want and therefore i will be that person which is my whole point of like oh, why even put the kids through that well she's only 17 don't even start your career until you're 40 <laughs> is that what you're going for <laughs> i have two years two years to figure it out um, Chris so, with a read. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't we acknowledge that, that I'm under forty. <laughs> I keep so putting it to me. It was a blessing. Is that what you're doing? Um, is that what you're doing? Are you going to be a plumber when you're forty? <laughs> is, is that what the average is? Forty six. Are you going to drain the pipe? <laughs> See, I wasn't a child star, so I can take your hatred because I've always had it face to face. <laughs> you have the people yelling at you in the, to the face <laughs> like hey you are a, a gay on. boy oh thank you <laughs> spit in my face dad <laughs> you know i was really excited about that my topic my but we're gonna go from jojo siwa and this wild crazy we need to, to talk about a very do we need to topic. delay oh, the to- your topic to no, next week we're gonna talk about this <laughs> um so yeah jojo um she's uh, obviously a role model and an icon, uh, but she's only 17. So what, uh, going off of what you just said, what do you want her to do? Like, that's that's really what, like, my question begs. Because, like... What do I want her to do? I'm not... She can't I don't necessarily come out and be a sexual, like, being. Correct. And I she's don't 17. need her to do anything for Kendall's sake. What I want her to do now at this point, in, because she's been on the stage for how long? Uh, uh, six years. Um, is to stop listening. See, it's nothing. I'm just one of a hundred people telling my own opinion to her because I know she's listening right now. <laughs> Jojo is listening to this podcast. Um, at this point, it's kind of like, can you break through and say, we love you for who you are. Yeah. Only be yourself. You know, actually, I think some of that's being heard, though, because she's hearing what you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. In a second, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm literally on the verge. But someone who's 17, I would say, don't listen to these people. Back off. You don't have to be famous. Yeah. You are still in high school, so you could still go to college and be a dang home ec teacher if you wanted yeah. to. You know, like for what though? She's already made millions of dollars. Why should she go to? She, yeah. Is it all about the money? Because I think I have a kind of sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, but, I think I, mean, I have a. But, but to your point of like, I mean college right i mean you've always said it's not for everybody she doesn't have to go to college to learn these things she could actually she could afford to live in other countries and you know make noodles in vietnam mm-hmm. or uh learn japanese she could do whatever she wants she could be the Japan. plumber that you say she could be the she one be gen plumber. z plumber she could be a plumber in italy <laughs> but what i'm saying is do whatever you want regardless of anyone's expectations of you and i think once you introduce a kid to Let's do commercials or modeling or whatever. It's always other people's expectations. So it's very hard to counter that lesson that you're giving them of be be what they need you to be with we love you for who you are. Because mm. that's not the, – the two do not go hand in hand. It's a completely opposite thing. So to say I'm going to raise, raise my kid to love themselves and to be whatever they want to be and blah, blah, blah. If you're telling them that they have to be an actor – even if it's what they wish at X amount of age, it's a contradiction that they can sometimes have a hard time uh, reconciling. Yeah. So, but with Jojo, I think that she is, um, I mean, she's part of the YouTube generation where I think she, I think Jojo Siwa, who she is on YouTube is a YouTube personality. I think it's like, she gives you like, I mean, it's like without us on our podcast. I know that our podcast is, 
pretty much just us. But like other podcasts, people will be like, I'm on, I'm on the podcast. And then like afterwards, they're like, you know, sit back and be on their phone and like not talkative or whatever. Because I mean, there are people who podcast who are introverts. We're all not necessarily the most introverted people. Oh, I am. Incredibly introverted, wouldn't you say? We dated for mm-hmm. 10 years. You always say that about yourself. <laughs> okay. So you heard that? <laughs> all right. Oh, uh, I'm so introverted. Will y'all please leave? I'd like to be alone. Right I, I just want to be away from everyone. Um, but I mean, all five, four of us that are on this podcast, <laughs> that I mean, we can talk to anyone at any at any time, essentially. We can we can create a conversation regardless of oh, yeah. you know, well, who we're different. talking to. I think you're mixing um, shyness or social anxiety with introverted. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I'm the kind of person would like I go to a, a happy hour with a, the chamber and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to anyone. That's different mm. because I can talk to anyone. Do I want to? No. Right. <laughs> but I can. Yeah, I think that's I can more do introverted. It. Um, that I think it because I don't necessarily consider myself an introvert. I think that I'm a uh, a sh- shyer. I can be a shy person. But you get me talking, and I won't stop talking. Okay. Because shy is different than introverted. Yes. So I think that. But I can be shy too. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't consider either one of you guys shy. Like I just think you. To your point, Chris. Uh, you don't necessarily like talking to people all the time. Mm-hmm. So I actually consider that more introvert. Like it takes energy that you don't want to necessarily. Right. Get. Yeah. Can you do it? Sure. Um, I mean, I wouldn't consider either one of you introvert. I mean, you're on that, that in-between line between introvert and extrovert. Cause yeah. you can, you can talk to anyone. You're both in jobs that can do, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do you like your alone time? Do you, and I think both of you too need your own, space Perfect to have space. like uh Absolutely. have some mental health you know mental health breaks right so mm. it doesn't so you don't get overwhelmed and you guys are both or really mental good. breaks <laughs> you guys are really good about being mindful of like i i need time for myself i need a way yeah of, from everybody um so that that's actually really healthy so then that's what i mean jo- that's what they say that jojo siwa has her own um her youtube personality what she does her daily daily videos mind you Daily. She posts mm. a video every single Do day. Do we know if her parents no. are working or not? We thought we were um, a big shit for doing a, da- a weekly podcast. Weekly podcast, like, exactly. Here's this 17-year-old puts out daily Because if content. her parents aren't working because the daughter is working, I have a problem with you. Well, so from what I understand, her dad's a chiropractor and she, her mom's a dance instructor. So that's what they said at the beginning, and I don't think they stopped. I, I don't know anything that they stopped after they became TV famous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if he's a chiropractor. He's already making six figures a year, so... In Nebraska, <laughs> which I think goes a long way. But anyway, you know, he'd you probably be making figure. he'd probably be making a lot more money if he was a plumber. <laughs> more six figures there. Uh, so then we get to the modern day reference of who JoJo Seaweed is. JoJo Seaweed. Is. Seaweed. Um, so in January of 2021, she took a step that she came out to her fans by starting with a TikTok, mouthing the LGBTQ anthem, mm. Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Um, and everyone, her fans knew immediately. They were like, um, what is this? Something's happening here. It's her being gay. Um, so then she tweeted a pic with a shirt after that that said, best gay cousin ever, before actually ever acknowledging anything. And then she goes on an Instagram live telling her fans that she is just so happy uh, and that she's like living her best life, essentially. Uh, and then the fan on Instagram live, you can interact by like typing messages to them. 
So then some people were sending in questions. She, of course, chose the select questions she wanted to answer. One of the questions asked her uh, how long she knew. She said she knew her entire life, um, that something was different, uh, and that she just loved people. Um, so I think she's bisexual. She did never affirm that she is a lesbian uh, or loved boys and girls or anything like that. Um, she did affirm that um, whether finding the person, she basically said like finding the per. I was always finding that person that I wanted to fall in love with, and finding that person uh, didn't matter if they were a boy or a girl. Essentially, she just like wanted to find that person. She just um, wants to be loved. Exactly. Uh, apparently, her family had known. Um, that she didn't like boys for two years. So I think that she might didn't like just boys for two years uh, before this. So her family was very supportive of when she did come out, um, which is a great thing. We'd love to hear that in, in, uh, in our community. Um, so then in February of 2021, uh, she addressed being in love with her longtime best friend that she is now dating. So they've been dating, uh, I think, a few months um, but yeah, she, they are, they are officially together and she has a, she has a girlfriend. Would you say she has a new beau? A girlfriend. Oh, just kidding. A new bae. Who's a new making bae. a beau Because of her beau line. Oh. <laughs> no. So it was uh, a boomer joke. It didn't work. It did not work. <laughs> so Not she, that I'm calling her lesbian girlfriend a, you know, masked person by saying they're a beau. A beau. Uh, but I was trying to make a joke. It's already in there in the history books. Said. It's in the podcast archives forever. It didn't happen. Did not wait, wait. This is where you joke. have to put the princes, like, insert last now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I can't improvise. <laughs> no improv. Yes, and. <laughs> yes. Um, so... No, okay, I'm going to say this first. Um, so she apparently set a precedence. I wrote a lot in like these last little bits. I was about to I, say, you don't have much left. I ran out of space. <laughs> I ran out of space. So I was like, let me write all the things. So she set a precedence by coming out at a young age which uh, while in the spotlight, which was a huge thing because uh, a lot of like LGBT actors don't want to come out or you know singers or whatever don't want to come out in their younger days because they don't want to be like blacklisted from everything you know across the board so the fact that she came out at the age of 17 and it's like hey you know i'm out here it's giving like the green light to a bunch of other people that it's like you can do this too you can still be you can still be yourself and also do your thing uh by coming out at your time and you know whenever you're um ready or whatnot do you know by chance if she lost any sponsors when she came out or um, stuck by her I think that everyone is pretty much stuck by her. Yep. She did lose the Claire sponsorship because of... Um, Alopecia. No, there was an issue. The Muslim bows that she came out with? Yes, she came out with Muslim bows. No, she she the Claire sponsorship backed out for an issue, and I don't remember, and I didn't oh, write it good. down. But, but it, it was, was not because she was... There. It was she not was because she was gay, no. Uh, or lesbian, or bisexual. Uh, did not come out. It was not because of that, no. But... Uh, she has had a massive uh, it, this this really thrust her I think it, like at this point into the public sphere more than she already had been say another reason why she's thrusting in the public sphere and I don't think that's appropriate for someone for her, oh my gosh <laughs> oh my so, gosh grandpa so she she was thrusting thrusting, the public she's thrusting anyway public sphere even so much more because there were so many uh people who came out in support of her doing her thing like you know being herself and stuff like that so celebrities who i'm not certain they even knew who she was at the time they were like good on you you know proud of you for doing your thing you know out there of course she had her haters um but she was very positive about the way she 
dealt with her haters. Uh, there was a hater that came on there that was very notable uh, because everyone laughed at her rea- Jota's reaction to it. That someone got in there like, my daughter will never watch you again. And she just goes, okay, exclamation point. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) That she just gave no fucks about any of that. Uh, So she has had mostly all around positive responses. She came out with a video that said, "Um, I'm doing great. I'm, you know, feeling the best that I've ever felt in my life. Uh, This is an amazing feeling. Um, So she's dealing with the positive responses, taking in the positive responses more than she's taking the negative responses from what we see on the internet. Um, Have y'all ever heard of toxic positivity? Uh, I mean, I feel toxic positivity sometimes because I'm not necessarily the most positive person all the time. (laughs) It's the sense that you have to be positive no matter what because there's positive and everything, which is bullshit to me. Like if, if you need to acknowledge the bad stuff. Well, see, that's the thing with her YouTube videos is that she talks about her day-to-day life and she acknowledges the bad stuff. Oh, she, okay. She, that's, that she, she has the, the video every single day that she talks about her life like, oh, you know, this is how my day went, you know, kind of thing like that. So whether or not this YouTube video is positive or negative for her mental health, it is she's still addressing um, everything that's happening to her. Can, so, can we see your uh, video... Uh diary i mean yeah. i think that'd be a good that's feature that's basically like what diary? it is yeah like you're where you get to the end of the day and you have a confessional and be like hey guys i just want to let you know here's what i did today and i felt really good about it oh that's what an I extrovert really would do but i don't know no, but you can the nice thing is with like a this, video diary I will this, never do a this video youtube diary. uh concept like you can be an introvert i mean this is social media is a powerful you tool for can be who you want to be because you can put this out and but why do i need to be whatever i want I'm to be on video you don't oh okay. it's a joke not oh, you okay. kendall you're trying to turn me to a zoomer <laughs> yeah, it was a joke a zoomer <laughs> stupid uh yeah so she had a very good positive response um and she feels very well, good we about love her out, so we support her yeah. i mean she was a gay icon before she was a you know, a gay canada's drag race i think it really thrust her into being a now gay she's icon part of the, now she's part of the lgbt exactly community. well welcome girl since you're listening don't you hear yeah that's good that's good i love i love that story i mean like i said we were talking about her ironically I mean, before she came out now she came out i was like maybe she's been listening to our podcast yeah. <laughs> She got to be here now. That's she, actually true. Yeah. She was listening to our podcast, and she we was like, you know what? Assume. I might as well come out. Actually, I think all kids should be just born labeled bisexual until they become adults, and then they figure mm-hmm. out who they want to. I mean, we should embrace them wanting to date uh, boys or girls, depending on you know who they I are. I want like, them to find themselves. Yeah, it's like, you want to date a girl and see if, see if it works or not? If it no, doesn't, doesn't, then it doesn't. Because really, the whole concept, there should not be an L-Tex. There should not have to be... And LTEX, um, let's talk about gay stuff, LGBTQIA thing. It should be such a non-issue. It should be such history. Such a who cares mm-hmm. issue. But guess what? It's not. Because she may, I mean, like Miley's done this. Miley got backlash because of the way she said it. But it, it because we put these things like you have to either be one of these letters. Right. And it's like, well, if you start off with just being open to both, like if we raise kids mm. to do that, I mean, would we... Would there be less backlash either way? It's like all of a sudden in your thirties, you want to now you know date men or women. Like you know what I mean? It's just well, that's the thing is like right. with uh, the whole differentiation between bisexual and pansexuality as well. Right. Because a lot of people don't understand the difference there. Which I think everyone should just be pansexual. Just be yes. pansexual. Why do be we be pansexual? See, just, this is the problem with, and see, this is why I have an issue sometimes with 
how much we put focus on LGBTQIA+. When we keep the adding not, stuff the, yeah, up the to letters. that. We keep adding up to it because when you allow everyone... <laughs> see, that sounds wrong, though. I was going to say allow everyone a seat at the table to declare this is what I am and you will respect me, which is great. Force a label is what you're trying to say. When you force no. the label, how do you get out of that label yeah. if it's not always true to you? Yeah. So, for instance, if I were, I'm, let's use the terminology, a gay man, but I don't know if there's a woman I'd meet that would want to make me, you know... Rock your world. I'm open to being open to women. Does that make me not a gay man anymore? Now do I have to be identified as something else? Not for myself, because I know who I am as a human being, but the world has to know exactly what you are. And even when we come up with new terms like pansexual, there's such... Or transgender, there's such a resistance to it to where it's like, well, you said you were blah, blah, blah. So to me, I just say... And I don't even use the term often because I don't talk about it much. But just like, for me, it's like queer. Instead yeah. of the LGBTQIA+. You talk about on this all the time. No, but on the podcast, but in my day-to-day life, I don't talk about being gay or queer. Girl, or you're or a anything. gay man. You've been talking about this whole podcast, how you like that big D. <laughs> I get what he's saying, though, okay? <laughs> don't saying. negate the whole... Uh, Someone had big D on the brain, and they wanted to project it onto me. <laughs> Thank you. Just to negate your no, statement. Now I'm sore. <laughs> BD. Bed, bed, bed death. Bed death. That's what I had. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, uh, yes, you would like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works. You need help with marketing, hire a freelancer. If you need help building a website, hire a freelancer. If oh, you need help with benchmarking and analysis, why not? Hire a freelancer. Economy Works believes in the power of connection and wants to connect you with this talent network. The talent network has over 1,000 years of experience and is growing in HR, marketing, IT, accounting, and other specialties. Economy Works, when we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Woo-hoo. You can find out more at economyworks.com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S dot com. All right. I'm going to talk about Barbara Jordan. Okay, will you talk about Barbara Jordan? Because I have to um, you... pee and get a cocktail. <laughs> there oh you gosh. go. <laughs> Glad to know that everyone's attentive. If you're still listening to us at 1.45 in this podcast, kudos to you. But this is an exciting topic. I love this woman. I actually know about her because my uh, inter- intermediate school was Barbara C. Jordan. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this was I'm talking about Barbara T. Jordan. Oh I'm just boy. <laughs> different middle name. Oh boy. Wow, How uncomfortable. Wow. <laughs> so Miss Jordan is a pioneering politician. Uh she played a significant role in politics. Uh and she was known for her powerful and uh, many uh, accounts eloquent voice. Have you ever did you ever have you I mean Yeah, we listened to some of her speeches. She's got a voice that's like captivating it's, yes she is a very powerful woman yes it reminds me of um uh the poet at uh, biden's inauguration in terms of the voice oh, yes. like the, Gorman. like it's the it's the you're like you're you're listening and you're like well there's something in that voice that's exactly very um that you want to listen to uh she, she it's a captivating presence it's a very like uh forward like 
Uh, I'm here, uh, and I know what I'm talking about, so yeah. listen to me. Yeah, It's one of the—I mean, I wish I had both those things, that captivating presence and that voice, just because it's like then people just like they're leaning in and want to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, meanwhile, I teach class, and all my students fall asleep fall. when I talk. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> like, I'm not bitter. Well, uh, maybe it's my, my gay voice, but whatever. <laughs> Not not mad about it. <laughs> I'm proud of my gay voice. Um, just kidding. I'm not making fun of anyone who does have a gay voice like that. If you do, kudos to you. That's what I'm here on this podcast for. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, she grew up the youngest of three daughters, and this, so this is going to be a very somber topic compared oh to <laughs> compared so, to JoJo. See I got a big bow. <laughs> Uh, Barbara Jordan did not have a big bow. She was the youngest of three daughters. She was born in... And another reason I want to, I love talking about her. She was born in... Uh, San Antonio? Houston, Texas. Uh, on February 21st. I she was in Texas. <laughs> 1936. Uh, she uh, grew up in the Fifth Ward, so right down the street uh, from where uh, the Ben Wynn Studios, where we record. Um, her father, uh, but again, grew up poor. Her father was a... Uh, a Baptist minister, a strict man. Uh, he was a warehouse clerk as well because he had to make the money. Her mom was a noted uh, public speaker, but also was a hustler. She was a, worked as a maid at, at, at some point, uh, was a church teacher and also a housewife. Um, I say all this because humble beginnings. I mean, when she was born, I mean, she and went to, started going to elementary school. Uh, we're so, talking about the 40s. Uh, we're in World War II, deep in segregation as well. She attended uh, Phyllis Wheatley High School. Again, I'm noting this because we got plenty of H-Town listeners, and mm-hmm. we live like a mile away from uh, uh, Wheatley High School. Uh, she graduated in 1952, uh, and she was uh, listening to a speech uh, from a woman on career day and uh, who was a lawyer and she decided i want to become a lawyer and so she did um so she got uh, that that she she followed that route by becoming uh, be attending texas southern university tsu uh, little side note on that because like, uh, that used to be tsu was uh, uh first started by uh houston independent school district as a junior college and uh because they saw a need to um uh, set up a university uh, or college uh, programs for African Americans, mm-hmm. uh, and so they started that, and then eventually the state took it over, and it became TSU. Yeah, I was gonna so, say, wasn't it a predominantly black college? Yeah, still, still mostly. Still mostly is. Yeah. Odd note too, the pass rate is not that great. So I mean, uh, not pass rate, the graduation rate. I was looking at that compared to like it's like twenty percent at TSU wow. compared to like. A&M, which you yeah. and I are Aggies. 90-something. It's like 80%. Well, at least according to Google, which oh, is... Oh, yeah. Um, Must be a bunch of Gen Z or is it TSU? Oh, my God. No, it's, it just kind of speaks to they like... They should the, be plumbers. The, the disparity between like these, you know, these universities. Uh, both of them, A&M, obviously well-funded and a, mm-hmm. a huge university, not just in the state of Texas, but uh, in numbers-wise and funding. Uh, in in the country, and uh, then you've got TSU, which is a predominantly black um, minority school, mostly black, uh, which with such a low um, graduation rate. Anyways, um, it, it is uh, so she attended there, graduated uh, in 1956 from there. She was on the debate team, and um, I note that because uh, she, again, she's known for her kind of booming voice and presence and, and ability to uh, make an argument um, very sound. She was on the debate team, and they debated Harvard. 
and uh, they they drew a, a draw with uh, and, and their debate with the, this Harvard team. Yeah, uh, and she noted like when an all black team ties Harvard, it wins. I think now that statement would be seen as like defeating, and you know you're not uh, respecting the black community enough. But at the time, I mean, considering this was the 50s, 60s, yeah, that, yeah, they were being discriminated against and severely at the time, disadvantaged. Be, they would never let us win. They would never admit that we were better. Right. So a tie would be it's an acknowledgement exactly. that this is the best you could do because we, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and to that point, I mean, they weren't. I mean, uh, TSU was one of the first law schools established for African American people. She decided uh, not to go to uh, TSU law school. She went to Boston University for law school. She graduated in 1959. So if you think about it, they, there was was not a law school in Texas until TSU established one in the 50s. Um, she didn't go there, but she went into to Boston University. Point being, it's like there weren't a lot of black people that were even allowed to go to uh, law school. I mean, the whole reason this Texas uh, TSU Texas State um, not Texas State Texas Southern University law school was um, established was because there was a Supreme Court decision that made. Um, uh, the state of Texas established that because there was a, a a graduate from TSU before Barbara Jordan went there who tried to get into UT Law School and they wouldn't let him in just because he was black. So then they established TSU Law because they were like, okay, if we establish this other school, then we don't have to let this black man into UT Law School. Well, because then it's separate but equal. Right. Um, and so, but the point is, it's like she was a, a woman, a black woman who was getting into law school. There weren't a lot of people in there. Uh, so, uh, she graduated there in 1959. She came back to Texas in 1960, um, and started practicing law, but she had to, I mean, to get into our, uh, our Gen Z millennial discussion. She was living with her parents for a bit of time and working as a, working a side gig as an admin assistant to make enough money. So here you are thinking, I'm a a lawyer, I'm going to make some money, and you're working for some county clerk, county judge to make as an admin assistant to make a living, and still living with your parents. And that, I mean, that's not. I mean, if any millennial were doing that today, they'd probably or Gen Z probably be making a decent bank. But she was a black woman in the '60s trying to make a living as a lawyer, making no money, had to live with her parents. Very sad. Uh, but I mean. I guess the the note there is, you know, you can keep if you keep working hard. I mean, you, you will get you you'll you'll progress. Uh, she entered politics and started kind of getting her taste into politics in 1960. Uh, what was happening in 1960? Um, um, uh, JFK something? was running. Yeah, JFK was running. Uh, just making sure everyone's awake, alert. <laughs> Work here. Uh, she uh, she uh, uh, campaigned or helped the campaign uh, JFK's campaign. Uh, by organizing African American precincts to get out the vote, uh, then she, you know, got that taste of politics and decided she wanted to run herself. And so, in 1962, she ran for the tax- Texas House of Representatives um, and lost. And then ran again in 1964 and lost. In 1966, the courts had ordered a uh, redistrict, redistricting, uh, which created a, a new district for a larger minority base. Uh, and so, she won her bid for the Texas Senate. Uh, and became the first black senator in Texas since 1883. So she was part of the Texas Senate, not the U.S. Senate, um, and was the first black woman to serve in that body. So, again, there were... Wait, they had a black person in the Texas Senate in 1883? Yeah, I mean... That's what's shocking to me. (laughs) I know there were Republicans. No, Louisiana had a um, black governor in the 1880s. 
The, f- the first, yeah. You want to know why? You want a quick history lesson of why that it. shouldn't be as. So um, it was just shocking to me. It was the either the fourteenth, fifteenth, or sixteenth. I don't know. It, I think it was the fifteenth amendment that gave um, black men, not black women, the right to vote. So in the South, where now black men or black, yeah, black men are the majority of voters. They were electing other black men, oh. and they were electing Republicans. So there was a huge amount of Mississippi had a black senator in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisiana had a black governor. Uh, several southern states, actually most southern states, had black representatives, at least in government, which is why you had uh, the backlash against black people voting, and then you had the poll tax and literacy tests. Oh, you got into Jim my, you, 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 uh, you beat oh, me too much. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, but it's good. It, it is part of the discussion. Uh, because yeah, eventually she does get elected to the, uh, U S house. Uh, and, and that's a big milestone because what I was going to note about, you know, to your point, Chris, and then and what you're talking about, Kendall, is that there weren't a lot of black people elected to, to any legislative body. And so if you think, if you look at the U S house of representatives, the last uh, black person that was elected was in, uh, 1898 and then their term expired in 1901 and then not another black person was in congress in the u.s congress until 1924 mm-hmm, because that was peak time where they were implementing jim crow laws, um, yeah. jim crow laws but, but from to, the civil war till that 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 point that 1901 there was regularly mm-hmm. uh black people that were uh black men that were uh, elected to from the south as republicans into congress and then they slowly slowly started dwindling, dwindling down and then finally in 1901 again a big big break big uh you, you didn't see any black people elected which is crazy i mean i had to like do a double take i'm like i was scrolling through i'm like what's the history of of, of black Why congress people and then you just see this whole blank and then again to what it you was guys are talking about plessy v ferguson was not until the late 1890s that was when it said separate but equal they, they allowed the the opportunity to say well it's not racist to say that separating things between black people and white people is a bad thing Right. Then and that, that's what I think where the Jim Crow laws came from. That and the poll tax and yeah. just other things, barriers to prevent people, not just black people, but poor, you know, poor white people yeah. from voting. Um, I mean, there's really. No, no, not that. I mean, there were there were restrictions because you had to pass a literacy test. These sorts no, of things. No, that wasn't that. Have you heard of the grandfather grandfather clause? So I have. Yeah. The grandfather clause, which is a term we use now to describe a whole lot of different things, but a grandfather clause in the legal text standpoint was that when they were creating all these laws that said black people couldn't vote or making it harder for black people to vote, the way to make it equal but to exclude white people is to say, well, if your grandparents or you had a family member that he could vote 1866 and before Mm. then you didn't have to take any of these tests you didn't have to you were not subject to any laws after 1866 if your parents either one of your parents or grandparents were on the voter rolls 
Mm-hmm. So these this poll tax and literacy test and all this kind of stuff literally did not apply to white people. Well, I mean, it did to immigrants if you were. I mean, because the, there was plenty of backlash against Italians well, and different. Irish. And but again, not to equate with the with the the harassment of. Uh, uh, Italian or Irish people to what you know, uh, African Americans were going through. But they through. were allowed to vote too. But but clearly there was a. Sometimes. I mean, these were targeted at African Americans. I mean, yeah. that's that's what these laws were. Well, they, I mean, they were. Go, sorry, and I'm going to interrupt yep. you. But to go off of Kendall's point, that grandfather clause stuff does not just go away. Has not just gone away. I mean, you look at whenever I was going to high school. There was a new high school that was created in shirts in. 2009 uh and they had a grand grandfather clause where they split up between shirts and Cibolo, which shirts was the rich white people and Cibolo was the lower income minority groups and so they were trying to make it like shirts and Cibolo because it's a tri tri city place uh they were trying to make everyone from Cibolo go to steel and ever like all the rich white people go to uh clemens uh which is the other high school in shirts and so they're basically saying like this is if if you had someone who went to this other high school, you're okay. So technically, I was supposed to be able to go to Clemens because my brother and sister both went to these high schools because I was grandfathered in. If I was part of the family, so they didn't want to split up a dynasty. Like their whole idea oh, was for beyond school? that in high school. Um, but I was like, uh, I don't give a fuck. Like, I want to go to this new high school. So I went to the new high school instead. And so then, since I went to the new high school, little brother still got the option, but he was like, uh, I'm going to go to that one, too. So we were grandfathered in as part of that, even though technically we were supposed to go to Clemens anyways. We were allowed the option because we, we, we got the, the grandfathering. But that grandfathering clause forced this high school to be 3,000 students, while Clemens, right. in the same district, yeah. was 1,200 students because it was all white people who wanted to go and have the best education or whatever it is while our school's overpopulated and and absolutely crazy with you know everyone else and i think that was one part like looking back like i've taken multiple points where i've looked back at my own life and said this was this was racist this was racist yeah uh and like that's that's a part of growth first of all but also second of all like i implore a lot of people to look back and realize these points that like have happened to them and say that's that's a, a point that I need to address in my, my life kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, in this podcast, maybe you realize this point. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, the, the sad thing is, I mean, that that's still happening in 2009 and, exactly. and you know, but a hundred years before that, that was, there was, it was legalized, you know, as part mm-hmm. of the, you know, state constitution, all these state constitutions in right. the South were revised to allow that sort of stuff to happen under the legal framework uh, that exists. And so it was, it's crazy that you know, we went, those yeah. decades without a. I yeah. read an article today about Nikki Haley, who's a Republican Indian American woman who was the governor of South Carolina. But the article said in South Carolina that the office of governor in South Carolina is so weak, it basically does nothing. And it's a direct result because of when a lot of black people started voting in the 1800s. And white people feared that a black there'd be a black governor. Oh my God! And they're going to turn against white people, and um, there's going to be payback and all that. So they literally weakened the governorship just in case a black man could be in charge. Yeah. And they put it all all the authority in the state legislature. Legislature, but all these kind of ramification ramifications and historical results so much of how we live our life today in the year 2021 
is out of fear. Laws implemented because of fear of yeah, black people I mean, getting you the same rights, you, specifically black people. You look, at, look at Georgia. You don't go every election having, you know, from the you know, 1871 until uh, 1901 having it's consistently having black people elected, although it dwindled off in the late 1890s, and then go 20 years without another black person mm-hmm. being elected unless there's something, you know. Something fishy is going on. Something in the system, and that's you know, redistricting, all these sorts of things. Uh you know, worked against uh, African Americans from getting elected. So here she was. I mean, you have to think that about a, not only an African American, but a woman stepping into this good old boy Texas network to be like, she's, you got to have like, uh, uh, a, uh, you know, a, a body of steel to kind of be like, I'm going to show up here and, and do my thing. And okay, she I have it. Now what? Yeah, and she did. Just kidding. I don't have a body of steel. <laughs> she, she was reelected in 1968, and she served in the Texas State Senate until 1972. There were 30 other ma- white male people, and she was the only black woman uh, in this in this body. Uh, but she gained a reputation as an effective legislator, so much so that, uh, uh, I mean, and part of it is rather she, she did it because she was esta- working to establish a minimum wage law, anti-discrimination statements, and business contracts, which are a big deal. I mean, you think it's, oh, it's just an administrative item. But if anyone wants to do business with the state of Texas, you know, you have to insert this clause that you won't discriminate. Now, how enforceable those are another thing. But if you got if the state of Texas audits you on uh, whether you were complying with this, that, yeah. uh, then it, it's a big deal. Um, also, for fair employment practices, uh, establishing a fair employment practices commission. Uh, but again, thirty white males and her, right, and Barbara Jordan in in 1972. This is how she, how effective she is. She was elected president of the Texas State Senate, uh, making her the first African American woman female to oversee any legislative body in any state. What, what year is this? I'm sorry, Ni- 1972. Wow. Of course, you know, cringeworthy moment and something great. You know, her colleague sec- seconded the nomination for her to get this role and said, well, "What can I say? Black is beautiful," mm-hmm. which is a great statement, but it's just kind of like you know, it's one nowadays of those things, someone said that it's like, it's like mm-hmm. unless they're saying it like, uh, you know. Is this her Democratic colleague saying she deserves it because black is beautiful, or is it? Well, I just think it's an like, oh, you know, we see. I, I think it's a. It was a post a segregation era statement. Yeah, it, to me, when I read it, I was like, that doesn't sound. It sounds. Oh well, no, like, no, oh, no, no! I actually disagree. You want to hear okay, why? Sure. Would you like to hear why? Please. Wait. Oh, you're gonna tell me. So after <laughs> I'll turn um, the volume up. After the 1960s, when you had a lot of riots and you had a lot of you had the civil rights movement and you had a lot of for the first time, Rosa Parks had already sat on that bus in the 50s. Uh, you had a lot of for the first time black empowerment. Mm-hmm. So in the 70s, the 70s was not about that because it had already done been happened. So the 70s was a black about um, you had black nationalism, which was huge at the time. You had a lot of people wearing a lot of black people wearing African garbs to like reclaim their African identity that they never had because they were whitewashed the second they got here and given no names of their masters and giving very anglicized and christian names or whatever so um there was the mantra in the 70s about black is beautiful which is to say we've been told that we're less than it was the kind of the theme of the 70s in terms of i don't know black. someone a, te- a, a white texas legislature well that's what i'm asking was it a white person was, yeah it was a well, white see, person that was they Here, were mocking yeah, the term that's what i'm saying to me it's like al gore time. doing the macarena like it is one of those things like it's 
it, you're playing to the the times and it's it, to me it just reading it i don't know if it was authentic but it, it just seemed i don't know if a white person that said that they were mocking the talk of the times just like yeah. they do it now just like they right yeah so that's 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 why i say a little little cringeworthy but uh so with that role though uh she and june you know you talk about the black governors and june on june 10th 1972 uh because of the you know the uh as the president of the senate you would be uh the fill-in the stand-in for the governor if something happened and so she actually did serve in that capacity as acting governor of texas which makes her the uh, only African American woman to ever serve as governor of any state. Just wow. on that one day. Really? Look at that history. That's awesome. <clears throat> in 1972, also a big year because that's when she ran for U.S. House Rep and was uh, because of some redistricting. Her district now included mostly Black and Hispanic population. She was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. So was this still here in Houston? <clears throat> that she was, her district was in Houston. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so uh, during her campaign, she's like, "I'll be one of fo- one of 435 uh, reps." One, I'll be one of 435, but the 434 will know who I'm there. Uh, so again, she's coming in with like with some guns with blazing. Some she won by 81 percent uh, with 81 percent of the vote. Uh, wow! This distinction, her victory was made her the first Southern Black elected uh, to Congress since Reconstruction. So That's while crazy. in the 1920s there were other you know black people yeah, probably and first female them, or one of the first female uh, there was one woman before her from New York uh, Chisholm oh Shirley Chisholm yeah. but you said Southern so yeah she's yes. the first black yeah. female uh, first black woman from the South to be elected to Congress. oh and Shirley Chisholm oh I wish she was a lesbian just so we could do her as a topic. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, she served three terms in Congress and she's remembered as a dominant voice in the fight for civil rights. She sponsored bills that champion the poor, immigration, uh, and disadvantaged people of color. So, uh, Hispanic, so not just black people, but also, uh, Latinx people, nat- natives and, uh, and Asian people. Um, she was a skillful politician in the fact that, I mean, you think about it, she won over the Texas state senate right mm-hmm. 30 white men and her and she be, was elected amongst her peers to be the president of she the advocated Texas. for uh of uh creating <clears throat> vote or, or forcing not forcing for getting people out to vote in houston at the time which was very divided amongst uh different parts of houston because this is the 70s right so 70s of houston is not houston well this is, is also when houston when texas was a democratic state but but it I, was a democratic state in the sense of like you had liberals and then you had their conservatives at the time left the democratic party in the nineties and went to the Republicans because yeah, go ahead. But, but I compare her to like a Maxine Waters or Sheila Jackson Lee who have a bite to them that you're the very liberal. She was strong, but not forceful. So, um, she had a voice, uh, uh, but at the same time, she was not committal. So she knew how to play the game and thread mm-hmm. the needle, which I think you know some people would, like a Bernie Sanders, an AOC type, would like maybe call that out now uh, because she was not angry or call the confrontational liberal. Uh, she was a, a person who, like Nancy Pelosi, I think, who understood the process. You know, like you play have to play the game. You have to get allies, even on the other side of the aisle, if yeah. you're actually going to get things done. Um, and you know, she was part of the congressional black uh, congressional black caucus, uh, and she was at the informal I mean women's meetups that they had with a, the few women in Congress but she didn't like she wasn't like firmly sitting with them I mean one example is like um, in the house chamber when you know the, all the house reps were uh, house of representatives were meeting the congressional black caucus would normally sit on the left side of the 
of the chamber and she sat in the middle and cause she was trying to, in, you know, align herself with her fellow, uh, Texas representatives. Uh, and she also sat in the middle to be seen by, uh, the leadership to say, Hey, look, she's, she's, you not a lot of people were sitting in the center aisles. Plus people were, that were passing by. She was strategic in the sense that people would pass by and like, Oh, Hey Barbara, how's it going? And she'd mm-hmm. keep an open seat so that people can chat with her. So she was playing the political game and which I always tell people in the corporate world, like, you got to play politics. Politics isn't a bad word. You have to be able to know who the influences are and as well as who the detractors are to have those conversations. You talk to the detractors to understand where they're going to, you know, punch you when you're presenting your big idea and you align yourself with the influencers so that, you know, they're the nodding yes when you're presenting your idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So she knew how to navigate uh, that aspect, um, which would take people off the very liberal people, the congressional black caucus, the women in, in, uh, in the chamber, the the outside forces too. They they would be they would get angry with her sometimes because she wasn't taking a firm stand. Uh, at times she was deemed too pragmatic. But she told her you know, described herself. She's like, I'm neither a black politician nor a woman politician. I'm just a politician, a professional politician. Um, and you know, one of the unique things that she did is you know, normally an uber liberal who's you know pro union, pro labor, pro you know uh, teachers, uh, they'll find a spot on the education and labor committee. She actually sought uh, to get on the House Judiciary Committee, um, and she even you know again navigating the political landscape sought the endorsement from uh, LBJ, Linda B. Johnson, who was the president or former president when she uh, by the time she was elected to Congress to endorse her to be on the Judiciary Committee, which uh, no, it, this wasn't a, a a juicy spot for a black woman to kind of be seen. But she was like, no, if I can if I can stand out in this committee, then I can I can definitely have a presence yeah, and then have, have a, a bigger voice. Yeah, um, it's on this judiciary committee though where she really kind of made a name for herself uh, on the national scene because um, this the judiciary committee saw the uh, oversaw the Nixon Watergate hearings, and she had one of the most uh, um, uh, pers- persuasive and dominant arguments as part of the 1974 Watergate hearings uh, as, as a member of the House Judiciary Committee. She delivered what most people consider the most powerful uh, speech of the hearings. She said, my faith in the Constitution is whole. It is complete. It is total. Um, basically, she said, if there's not a conviction embedded in these five uh, articles of impeachment, then her, her words were, then perhaps the 18th century Constitution should be abandoned to a 20th century paper shredder. Um, so she was, uh, again, resolute in her her appreciation for the constitution and that it was going to, you know, it was also the case was clear that you know, Nixon was violating the constitution, obstructing justice. Of course, Nixon uh, resigned two weeks later uh, after she gave that speech. After she gave that speech, though, she, <clears throat> she got swarmed by people in terms of praising her, her performance, her speech uh, uh, at the hearings. And um, even people from Texas who were largely uh, Republican at the time uh, were, were, offering her letters of praise. It's all of this that kind of culminates in another big milestone for her where she was she was uh, asked to be a uh, keynote speaker at the Democratic National Convention in 1976. When doing this, she was the first woman and the first African-American to give a speech at the DNC. Uh, when she started, when she was introduced, she got a standing ovation. She was the first, like, uh, even the commentators, if you watch the video on YouTube, they're like, the crowd has been mostly bored. If you've ever watched a convention, 
They're not they're, gonna they're, yeah, they're not gonna stand up for someone. But she got a two minute. Unless it was Amber. She got a two minute standing O. Uh, and That's so, awesome. Uh, then she it took a while for the car <laughs> to to get uh, to calm down. Um, the speech also there is uh, held as one of the greatest spe- speeches given by an American politician at a convention. Um, and the thing is, like, and rather than you know hit the the other side for you know because it, that's what you do at conventions, she actually called for uh, inclusivity, equality, and uh, for a time of unity. Um, and and her speech, although it was like over thirty minutes, really um, it really endeared the crowd. Again, they gave her a big ovation after she uh, she wrapped up her speech. So some DC talk after all this, after her big performances on the House Judiciary Committee and this DNC performance, she started to be rumored for uh, a, a VP pick uh, for uh, Jim, Jimmy Carter. Um, at one point, she she said a black VP, though. Again, this would be something that you would never say now. Uh, a black B, VP, she said, that's not a viable, like, that's a political liability. Like, you wouldn't want to do that. And she was right at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, it's also rumored that uh, President Carter interviewed her uh, for the U.S. Attorney General position, but she was not uh, uh, offered that position. Uh, there was even lots of talk after all of these things that she was going to one day run for president and could be you know, a viable candidate for president. Uh, after three terms, she decided to not run for re-election, and then after she left Congress in 1979, uh, um, she did what most politicians do <laughs> go teach at a university join a couple corporate boards uh you know did some fundraising and that sort of stuff um she felt uh, really compelled to teach because she's like i've been through so much i've lived a lot of life and had some unique experiences as a woman as a black woman um that she thought you know she could you know compel and share some knowledge with uh, that might help others um she gave another DC, uh, dnc speech in 1992 at this point she was in uh, in a wheelchair. So when she left Congress, she had lost a lot of weight in 79. Um, and so people were starting to like, is she leaving for health reasons? She never really talked about her health. Um, so when she appeared in a, um, a wheelchair, it was obvious that she was, uh, you know, ill uh, and that she she was, it was later revealed she was suffering from uh, multiple sclerosis. Um, and then in 1994, to kind of round out her, her politics, uh, she was appointed to uh, lead the Commission on Immigration Reform, which, interestingly, was uh, a commission that advocated for cutting legal immigration, enforcing laws against undocumented workers and their employers, and eliminating uh, visa preferences. Imagine the Democrats sitting on a committee and doing advocating In 1994. Well, I mean, she was in favor of all those things? Well, that's what the committee recommended. So oh, right, so and, which and she was the the uh, the leader of that uh, committee. I mean, she was also. I mean, there was some uh, push to like ban. Um, yeah, um, what was it? Uh, there's a term for it, but uh, children born in uh, uh, oh. children born here, uh, but their parents. Well, now are they're called Muslim. dreamers, but right. Well, not even born here. No, it's birthright citizenship. Right. That's yeah. And so there was a push to that. Well, no, no, she was She there was a movement to push for that and she was against that so oh, okay. she wasn't like totally but i mean some of these things are like moderate positions well, mm-hmm. which you and trump a, was debating up until the bitter end to sign an executive order outlawing birthright citizenship and somebody t- talked him out of it right 
Uh, and so she wasn't for that birthright citizenship, but some of these other things, the commission, it was a bipartisan commission that they recommended, or I mentioned them because they're very At least controversial. It was by. Hello. By, hello. <laughs> That's how it's, uh, your type of commission. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> she, of course, I mean, legendary, I mean, the, for her, all her first, she received two dozen honorary degrees and also was awarded the presidential medal of freedom by president Clinton. Uh, sadly, she died at the age of 59 on January 17th, 1996, uh, from pneumonia of complications of, of uh, related to complications of leukemia, um, newspapers, uh, news outlets, they just poured in like, and I don't want to say support, but just kind of honoring her, um, her, her legacy. I mean, again, her, her ability to give compelling speech, her defense of the constitution. And again, the, the two notable moments on, as part of the house judiciary with Nixon hearings, and then her, uh, 1976 DNC speech. Um, they said she left Congress after only three terms, uh, a mere six years, uh, but no, and really she didn't have any landmark legislation. Uh, but you know, there's no politician that left a more profound or positive impression on, on the nation than, than Barbara Jordan. Mm. So I say all this, so why are we talking about her? Uh, she, are you going to tell us? She was a lesbian. Was she? Yeah, she was a lesbian. She Why'd lesbian. you make a scissoring motion with your fingers? I didn't do that. <laughs> I was you, like, is it time you to... You did it in your head. You did it with your hands. Like That's more like alligator motions. <laughs> it's like chomp chomp, bitch. No. She was a lesbian, just like Jojo Siwa. Oh, Jojo. Yeah. Um, she never came out publicly um, and was never married, but it was well known to her friend, you know, people close to her, that she had a partner, this woman named Nancy Earl. And really, she didn't get outed until the Houston Chronicle... Did, mm-hmm. did her obit and uh, at the time she died and said you know she was living with her longtime companion nancy earl and that's when the world kind of found out like what, what? she's a f- lesbian a lesbian well let What's me tell you all something a little about that okay please no <laughs> is that so everyone here knows or that you're a lesbian that i oh, okay. uh one of my favorite people ever is ann richards governor ann richards mm-hmm. okay so I was on cspan.org watching uh Ann Richards videos and Ann Richards was giving a talk with Barbara Lee um of California. This was in the 90s. Actually it was early 2000s about the legacy of Barbara Jordan because Barbara Jordan is um in terms of politics one of the most important figures we've ever had. And then one of the people stood up in the audience and said Ann Richards, you were, um, or Governor Richards, you were one of the closest friends to Barbara Jordan. How can you disrespect her so much by not acknowledging the fact that she had a partner, Nancy Earl, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And the whole audience was like either booing or clapping. And Ann Richards, who had dealt with her own, Carl Rove called her a lesbian and therefore George W. Bush was elected. Anyway, um, she said, look, it's not my place to describe someone's personal life like that. She said, I love Barbara Jordan no matter whom she was with. And she kind of did a very master class in not acknowledging but also acknowledging at the same time. And saying it, the context was I love her no matter what. And it's not my place. If Barbara didn't want the world to know about her partner, I am not the person to tell it. Yeah. You know, which I thought was very, that's how I knew Barbara Jordan was a lesbian 
in yeah. my deep Ann Richards research. Um, but it also made me show because this was a in memoriam to Barbara Jordan. It was also like, wow, it's still a lot of people don't know she was even gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the, the, so there She's was mixed, dead and they're talking about it. There was mixed reaction right after she she died. I mean there was a, a story in the Advocate a big feature about her and like how she was in the closet and how there were plenty in the community, the LGBTQ community that were like she should have been out like if we could have used her the, there was no one more powerful and with more of well, a presence than like we could have used her as an example. She was already fighting as a black person in congress and then also as a woman like you're gonna also just throw it like a triple threat in the middle of the aids crisis but hey you're already a black woman like what's what's the like what else i I understand what you're saying but why not be the black lesbian you know i understand like being at the forefront of of american politics and like being out and doing your thing but like there's also the whole point of like I mean, she was a smart politician where she chose she chose her battles very uh, well, precisely. Early and, on, two people had told her, uh, like her advisors and mentors were like, hey, you, you know, you're being pictured with this woman. Like, mm-hmm. just like you, that's not going to do well for you. No. Uh, so minimize the pictures. And, yeah. and so she they took that uh, as advice and that they followed. I mean, she was never much like her illness, too. She was a very private person as much. She had said this big. Uh, uh, presence. I mean, she didn't talk about her illness and she didn't talk about her sexuality. Like, she mm. wanted to talk about whatever issues she wanted to talk about. Um, Which is interesting that we're talking about her on a queer podcast because she never said the words. So we're assume, we're taking other people's account. Yeah. Which shows that no matter how successful you can be, even that recently, you could still be in the closet. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's the thing too. This this advocate article that again was written a couple months after she was, uh, uh, she passed. Um, people that were in the community, like there was the one person they quoted from the um, Houston LGBT caucus. I think that's I guess that's what it would be called now. They're like, look, she never said the words, so I've got nothing to tell you. Yeah. Much like Ann Richards said, it's just like, who am I to? And it was all like, who am and I? And I would to? do the same thing if I had a friend who died who was not in the closet. I wouldn't be going. Telling everybody, guess what, boo? Yeah, he had a boyfriend all the time. Yeah, that's you know? up, up to up to them to say. And if so they should didn't be, do it, then... so should but I also think she was out without being out. Does well, that she make was, sense? She was out to her friends. I mean, yeah. she was out. To, I mean, she was out to her own personal life. And does she yeah. need to go call up, um, the, which I think was her thinking, the Houston Chronicle and say, "I would like to tell everyone I'm gay." You know, I think she found a way that worked for her self but that's the problem with life. politics nowadays is that politics is dives into i mean politics is scorched earth everything everywhere all the time so they will find anything about your personal life to destroy it completely i mean we look at ted cruz we talked about that earlier which is uh, why we get trash running for office because i know because like, they, they, they find happy in that kind of environment they find anything they can to like do a scorched earth kind of just destroy your life situation where it's like oh aoc you are a waitress blah blah and unless aoc has a witty response to that then everyone's like oh you were you were a you know bartender blah blah you're garbage you know human being essentially like what like doesn't make any sense no sense so the fact that she had to hide that the entire time was because she you know, re-election or anything like that, 
is a thing. But nowadays we have these scorched earth policies that we find these little little details that like she left behind breadcrumbs for all her friends. She told all her friends these things, but media gives enough money or, you know, the opponents give give friends enough money, they'll tell them all the details. So, like, there's no stone left unturned anymore. So that's like Joe Siwa that we just talked about. Like, she's 17. Someone was going to find out that she had a girlfriend, like, right. somewhere along the lines. So why not recapture that and say, uh, instead of the media attacking me, telling me, what I need to be or who I need to be or what they find have found out about me. I'm going to tell everyone this is who I am essentially. So, I mean, Jojo Siwa for president. (laughs) There you go. 2032. (laughs) Maybe longer, but. (laughs) Oh yes. Maybe longer. She's only 17. She's 17. So you you get to be 35. 2042. (laughs) I guess 2040. That would be when. Jojo Siwa. Tight buns. Come on, Jojo. You're listening. Let's do it. I'll be on your bow campaign. We're ready. Tweet us if you're down. <laughs> but you have to do it like right after the episode because we need to know. <laughs> Bow us. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's Barbara Jordan. I love that. BJ. We B- love BJ. That, that's how she was known by her friends, BJ. Oh. Yeah. Beach. Beach. Well, we're into that. I was just amazed by like all of the history that, I mean, I've heard about her. I've never really dived into to studying her. Uh, but like all the close, especially where we live now, like here when we recorded the Ben Wynn Studios, like she went to high school again mm. a mile away from her. So her, presumably her family lived here, like around house, here in this house. They did it. So on, you bought it from them. <laughs> for all you C-SPAN junkies out there, just me. Uh, she, if you look up her memorial service. And Richards speaks at it, and it's well. Now I'm making this about Ann Richards, which I get told all the time. Which I you love make everything Ann about Ann Richards, but uh, Ann Richards and Bill Clinton, because Bill Clinton was, Clinton was the president, gave uh, like an in memoriam speech, and it was Ann Richards. I loved it. You gotta watch it. I'm gonna have to watch. No, it. No, for real. Yeah, we yeah, watch absolutely. it. Okay, yeah. Let's I watch right the, now. Should we put it? I on watch right now? the. Uh, we're putting it on right now. All right, we're putting it on right we're now. We're gonna do it. All right. Well, thank you, girls. That was a fun kiki. A long two-hour uh, and a half episode uh, for two times. Wait, how long? Two and a half? Yeah. So good no job. No way. I'm sorry. Good job, ladies. <laughs> we were opinionated. We were bottled up. So if you're listening, this is the post, I was going to say hurricane, winter storm. <laughs> winter storm. Which, who, when does All those, right, Well, I got to go. When I does Texas and winter storm ever come into the... Never. Yeah, but here we are, 2021, live and uh, recording again at the Ben Wynn Studios. Uh, thank you for listening to our podcast and kicking with us this week. A special thank you to the man who keeps our sound in check. That's Spencer. He's going to get this episode out in the next uh, 15 minutes because that's when it's going to be midnight and that's when it's supposed to go out. Of course, you know, you've got to find Chris. On it's his me. podcast. Yeah. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, so I'm on two podcasts, actually. I'm on our Rupee podcast. We release a weekly podcast for reviewing RuPaul's Drag Race uh, or anything Drag Race, actually, uh, that comes out during the year. Um, we're on our Rupee podcast at gmail.com, our Rupee podcast on Instagram, and our Rupee Rupee. 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 Yeah, you you want to have a good time? Um, the Ruby podcast on Facebook as well. Um, I'm also on our Spoopy podcast, which is how we get started. Uh, our Spoopy podcast talks about uh, the scariest things in uh, any anything. We talk about whatever we talk want to talk about. Um, that's our Spoopy podcast at uh, our Spoopy podcast at gmail.com, our Spoopy podcast.com, our Spoopy podcast at Instagram, and our Spoopy on Twitter, and our Spoopy on Facebook. 
All right, and of course you can find him here once a month doing the Whippersnapper segment, and that was quite uh, a Whippersnacker snacker snacker. Snacker. Don't talk about JoJo segment. <laughs> we talked, yeah, we had some conversation there, didn't we? Uh, of course, you can you know, hear all of Lick our episodes. Liquor snacker grows. You can visit our website, <laughs> letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Why do you want to follow our social media? Because you get a daily dose of LGBTQ daily. Uh, and if you want to tell us what you think, um, just leave us a review. Press that five-star button. All right? Beep, 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 beep. Five stars. Um, and tell us what you think. If you want to do it in the, in, because you're an introvert, you want to do it quietly. Oh, yes, I am. You could, Shh, you, could, quiet. you could send us an email. To let's talk about Shh. gay stuff. You're hurting my ears. Gmail.com. <laughs> very attacked right now. All right. We're all part of the Listen Works Network, and we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Meow. Yeah.